Live from the 607 is the ODPH Entertainment Edition, where we're talking movies, comics, TV, and more. Why don't you join in the conversation? Hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. I am your host, Ken M. Joining me in studio is the one and only Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. And folks, as we are recording, it's National Comic Book Day. Mm-hmm. So who better to bring in as a guest panelist than the cosplayer extraordinaire, the comics guru that you see every Wednesday on our Facebook page because we share his link from Sound Go Round. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the panel the one and only Just Incredible. Oh, hi guys, how's it going? Justin, thank you for coming on the show, man. This has been a long time coming. Yes. Oh yeah, I've, I've, I've been looking forward to doing this ever since you guys asked me. So yeah, let's do it. I love this. Absolutely. Folks, join in the conversation on social media. You can find our accounts on OchoDuroParleyHour.com. You can find links to our Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. And always use the hashtag, hashtag ODPH, because we definitely want to interact with you. A lot of stuff to go over in the land of movies, TV, and comics. Dare I say, is there any better comic series out right now? than what Jonathan Hickman is doing with the X-Men. Uh, it's hard to argue. It, it is hard to argue. There are there are some great, great books out right now. Uh, personally, just like, I've been loving everything that's been going on in the Justice League. and uh, All the Scott the, Snyder and Tynan. Right, and um, the everything that's been going with Batman Who Laughs. But, oh my God, House of X and Powers of X is just blowing everything out of the water. It's insane. It's completely changing the the X Men story it's it's unreal yeah Jonathan Hickman Hickman just knocked it out of the park I mean he's taking you know however many years of established lore and canon and and what you know about the X Men universe and he's just not blowing the lid off of it he's putting it in a giant canning and and shooting it to the deepest depths of space yeah this is something that obviously when he was signed on to the books we knew it was going to be a long drawn out multi layered epic. Mm-hmm. I had no idea it was going to be this good. Yeah. Just, I don't think any of us really expected this. I mean, uh, the whole, the whole, um, just plot twist about, uh, Moira and her mutant ability to reincarnate of all things. And just how she just opened herself up to Charles about her like first 10 lives. Um, and just, oh my God, like he did it. Like Xavier's doing it. He's, He's just making it happen. The The mutant nation is realized. Yeah. I mean, and you can tell Jonathan Hickman's having a ton of fun with this. Because, oh, my God. Yeah. Because he went to Twitter today and quote tweeted an article from the New York Post where the headline from the New York Post says something in the universe is killing off entire galaxies to which Jonathan Hickman took that and said, it's me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's having a blast with it, and the fans are definitely reciprocating that back mm-hmm. to him because this has been by far and away one of the best X-Men stories of all time, and we yeah. haven't even gotten into the full heart of the story yet. Yeah. It it, it, it helps a little that um, the last batch of X-Men stories haven't really landed with the readers as well as like Marvel would hope. Like uh, yeah. X-Men Gold was tainted with its first issue of uh, Adrian Saif um, kind of hiding some subversive messages in his artwork. X-Men Blue wasn't, you know, all that great. I liked X-Men Red. Yeah, that was the one Jean Grey was leading the team. Right, right. And traditionally, I'm not a huge Jean Grey fan. Just, like, it's not really anything 
specific other than like she's just not really a hugely interesting character to me. It's not your cup of tea. Right. But in, in that series, I thought she was fantastic because and this kind of goes in line with what Hickman's doing right now. And that's, you know, she dropped this whole guise of, you know, I have to be reserved for people to like respect my opinion. She went out and was more forceful with with herself and like really like kind of stood up more than she usually does, at least in my eyes. No, and, a great take on this. And in in the case with uh, House of X and Powers of X, like the the Xavier and Magneto and all the X Men and all the mutants really are are stepping up. You know, like in in this new in this new uh, House of X uh, number five here. Um, they invite all the all the supervillains to the island. Yeah, and yeah. Like, it, in one of the most mind blowing pages. Yeah, just knowing the X Men lore and yeah. seeing who comes through the portals. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. sinister. Yeah, apocalypse. Yeah. Sassy sinister. Sassy, Sassy sinister. Sassy. That's the official name for Mister Sinister now. Maybe because the secrets of sinister. But yeah. we'll talk that, about that in a minute. Absolutely. I mean, that was the wild thing with the issues. Like, I'd re- I hadn't had a chance to read the issue first thing when it came out just because it was busy. But I'd seen some of the rumblings online and like, yo, this is huge. Like, if you're a fan and you've been reading the series, you need to jump on this now. So I picked up a copy, read it, and I was hanging out with Ken that night. And I picked it up and I, w- and I went over to his place and my jaw was on the floor. And he goes, what? I go, you need to read this right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because obviously coming into the story, we've now dealt with the whole suicide mission, fighting Orcus. Up right. for the master mold and everybody mm-hmm. got killed which was one of the weirdest scenarios to see and like the core x-men like the, yeah the, the the most loved yeah. x-men right like cyclops gene gray wolverine nightcrawler yeah all in one shot just gone which i think any seasoned x-men fan would expect all right we're going into this and they're bringing up the fact that some of you might not come back we're gonna lose a few people but i don't think anyone would have guessed that all of them were gonna die yeah right. they did they right. definitely didn't go arrow season finale <laughs> where the whole island blows up and only a minor character nobody knew about got killed right no they went full tilt and killed everybody so obviously we knew that they weren't going to stay dead forever especially gene right. gray being Comics. involved yeah it's just but the next issue yeah like, that's insane, especially in the way they're doing it, because, um, like, even it's I think Magneto says it about how um, throughout history, uh, mutants have only been hunted. Yeah. And the one thing that got humans to evolve was going from being hunters to being an agrarian society by putting down roots and, you know, you know, tilling the land and, you know, you know, uh, creating society. Yes. Right. So in in this case, uh, the mutants are with their with their resurrection machine no longer at the mercy of just being prey, you know? right? Because I mean, because not right, yeah. cause you really think about it, like by and large, the the public's opinion of mutants has been y'all suck, get right. out, like, right. and so there's never been a chance for them to really go. All right, this is good. It's temperate. There's plenty of food. There's enough land for us to make a farm. Like, let's just do this. Like, they might have tried that, and they might have had some successes, but it's by, by and large, like... And then some yeah, somebody massive comes in. failures. Yeah, yeah Genosha. Like, Genosha, obviously, yeah. the big one. Yeah, that's the biggest failure thus far. But it's been now reset with the timeline. At least that's the way I'm interpreting it. Well, they're also talking about, like, bringing back the entire population of Genosha. Yeah. yeah. Like, in a matter of months. Yeah. Like... And how millions, millions of of mutants 
just being resurrected over the course of months through this whole like resurrection process where Charles Xavier can just like install people's souls back into their bodies. Well, I think that only works as far as he was able to scan them. Right. Yes. So we're going, I mean, if we go based on the fact that, okay, different timeline, maybe he was always scanning them. Maybe he wasn't. I feel like if he wasn't able to scan them, okay, they got the DNA. They can make it into said person who was dead, Mm -hmm. but all right, listen, we can't, uh, imprint your memories and your everything you knew. So maybe we won't just make and you know use the time magic whatever to fully fledge you in the matter of like months. And we'll just you know what we'll just let you grow up and and we'll raise you better than you were. Yeah, and especially how he's doing it by involving five mutants to make this happen. Yes, and let alone the most important mutant now in the history <laughs> of mutant kind is Gold Balls. Is Gold Balls? Uh, that, yeah, this was the general reaction of most people online. <laughs> I mean, to make that character relevant, I mean, I was the only expecting Maggot to be somewhere involved because it's just like the powers of Gold Balls is what you you make eggs. Yeah. Like we didn't even know that. Yeah, I didn't. They were just balls. Yeah, yeah. I just just gold balls. I mean, you want to talk about taking crumbs and making a meal out of it? Oh boy. Yeah, absolutely. Because when you see that he comes into play, because obviously you see him with Hope Summers and Elixir and Proteus, Mm -hmm. and you're like, okay, these are some pretty big names, and you're like, what is Gold Balls doing walking with him? Uh And then you find out the whole process where he hatches the eggs. The process we saw alluded to in issue one of House of X. Right, because there was that whole weird Matrix-like... It was like the the opening page. To me, my X-Men. Yeah, I was like, what the hell is going on? Because when I first read that, I was like, okay, this has got to be evil Reed Richards doing some weird stuff. Yeah, because that helmet was very, like, the maker going on. But apparently it's just, you know, Cerebro 5.0... Yeah. Whatever number we're on now, yeah. Like apparently, it, there's been four iterations of Cerebro. I believe it. I I, I believe it now. I mean, with Hickman doing it, especially the, the lives of Maury McTaggart, like I'm sure that this is now version five, and somehow it's been upgraded every year, like Windows. I will say, I will say, um, two things though. Um, sure. One, I like how uh, in the first issue of House of X, they took that dig at Forge, being like, "Yeah, Forge isn't an Omega level mutant," and now <laughs> Forge is directly responsible for the salvation of the mutant race yeah so yeah you don't even have to be a mega level mutant to be awesome clearly but um the second thing you know it's it's this concept of like taking these these low powered like mutants that you would never really consider sure right and making them uh part of a greater whole Mm -hmm. right yeah and it's it's always weird that they kind of find a way to do that like for example um I'm going to go back a little bit in Secret Empire, right? Mm. When the Resistance is trying to get a hold of at least one cosmic cube sh- like fragment. Sure. And then they come across this random mutant who can regurgitate anything. Okay. That's and right. And they just have him vomit up a piece of cosmic cube. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's it's always these these like these these mutants that you know you'd never expect to be useful and then here they are the most useful thing in the world yeah because especially with how hickman's doing it because i mean for me cypher has never been useful and now he plays one of the biggest roles in this story Mm -hmm. thus far Mm -hmm. and i just keep wanting to see like maggot because i've always thought that his powers he can generate two maggots to run crazy through the mcu all right well that's not really something but i'm expecting now to come in in the play here somewhere i'm wondering what they're going to do with toad (laughs) <laughs> Toad, I did see, I thought, on the cover of Marauders. Oh, man. He's somewhere there. I'll look it up. I thought so. 
So Pat's going to take a look at what we're I feel talking. Like everyone's kind of expecting the Marauders to be the bad one. It just it looks it right now. Like I don't know. It's just something when I when I looked at the cover, I heard the Gilligan's Island theme come in, and I just see like, but I hear it in Kitty Pride's voice, and I'm like, oh my God. yeah, like yeah. Once you look at the cover now, think of that. You will never be able to escape it. And I just see that. I'm just like, all right. I don't, I have no idea what's going on with this book. That and Fallen Angels. Like right now, out of the gate, I'm like not. Like Fallen Angels just looks like too CW ish for me. Like right on. You know, three teens out on the lone you know, world fighting against mutant kind and humanity. Kid Cable stars in. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Once you yeah, once you see that cover, I thought he's somewhere in the corner somewhere. Maybe I read it. I don't know. But if Toad's there, that would just even go better. That'd be the wild that'd be the wildest thing because I can't I can't remember the last time Toad was would be so prominently featured in something. Like the only thing that comes to mind was the X Men Evolution T V series. I don't know. I still have yeah. that that yeah. that frame from the X Men movie when uh Oh god. Yeah. Halle Berry drops the line on him about, you know, Toads and Electricity. But I digress. <laughs> we don't need to get into that. No. But looking at though how they're doing the regeneration process, I mean with right. Tempest involved too, I mean, this is just kind of like just absolutely wild that they're doing it. And especially that Xavier has now found a way for mutants to cheat death. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, mean, it's how next level is this? It, it's one of those things where like, I don't have to suspend any disbelief for like, I'm seeing it and going, okay, this is their power. And this, this is what they're doing. Okay. You know what? This makes sense. Mm. Yeah. It makes complete sense. And especially with the take on Xavier, who's now, I don't want to say he's more Magneto than Magneto, but I'm going to say he's more proactive than he's ever been. Yes. Oh, I, I definitely yes. agree with that. Yes. I just like I fear, and I I'm really hoping Hickman doesn't even try in instigating onslaught into this. Right. Like let onslaught go. I never oh want to see him appear again. <laughs> just bad idea. Bad everything involved in. But it just with how proactive he is, and just how cool and calculating he is, is just such a fresh take on Xavier. Because usually he's been just one that has the optimistic hope, and now it's very conniving, very calculating, and to see his plan now succeeding. Yes. Is just absolutely wild because he's now established that Kroka is now a recognized nation. Yeah. Albeit with help from Emma Frost. Help from Emma Frost. And and even Xavier was a little surprised by this because there's one panel where, you know, he admits he, he he's like, I, you know, what? I'm a little surprised because I can't remember the exact country, but there were two countries. He specifically he's said that Russia and France. Thank you. Uh, yeah. That he was like, yeah, I thought they were going to like prevent us from getting this because they were the way they were looking at it was if all the the permanent nations in the united nations voted for him this thing would get fast-tracked right and if it didn't happen it was going to be a little bit longer and they're having like a little celebration with you know champagne going oh and xavier's like oh i'm a little surprised this happened yes but once he finds out emma frost kind of tampered with the vote yeah he does kind of allude that everything comes with a cost so i'm not sure what that is foretelling involving emma frost mm. Because obviously Emma Frost is Emma Frost, one of the shadiest characters in all the MCU, if not Marvel, period. Yeah, I mean, the, the only thing I can think of is happening is that the world is not exactly, and by the world I mean the, the other nations, you know, aren't going to take this lightly. That, you know, on the surface they may be like, all right, you guys do your own thing, we'll, we'll be okay. But they might be like mounting some sort of effort because, you know, they've never been comfortable with mutants in the past. I mean, we, we, know, we know the history. Now they're all in one location and the villains that they typically fought in the past are now with them too. So you gotta you gotta have a few prime ministers and presidents and, and world leaders going, uh yeah, what are we doing about this? Especially now that every mutant on the planet now enjoys diplomatic immunity. Uh-huh. I gotta say though, the one thing I loved about after they were recognized as a nation, uh, they put in the list of countries that they had like 
issues with or they had no sort of yeah. trade deals with. I loved the Wakanda bit because it was essentially like they're Wakanda. They don't need mutant drugs. Yes. Wakanda is the most technologically advanced nation in the entire world. They yep. don't need anybody. And Latveria is Latveria, uh-huh. which yeah. I, which you know sometime down the road there's going to be a power struggle between them and Doom. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. Well, you know, there's got to be some mutants in Latveria, right? Yeah. So it, it comes down to a question of, like, who are they going to claim as citizen? Mm. Right? That's true. Yeah, that's what I would think, and especially with how deep Hickman's digging for mutants of, you know, the, the we've all forgotten. I'm wondering who could possibly be there that we haven't thought about. Mutants we've forgotten or mutants we just never cared to remember. What if it's Morph? Oh, Lord. Oh, my God. I, I'm saying we haven't seen him in the MC or the comics universe thus far, just the animated series. We haven't seen him in a while. Yeah. Just in general. Yeah. So to see him show up, because, I mean, we haven't seen a lot of mutants just yet. I mean, obviously the relaunch has happened in two weeks. But to see, though, the final pages of the book where mm-hmm. Wolverine is questioning the move Xavier is doing and then when Apocalypse and company walk through those portals, yeah, that just solidifies everything is now coming to fruition. Yeah. And just how absolutely wild, thinking back to what Apocalypse has done to the X family over the years, the Executioner song, to what he's personally done to Scott Summers and Jean Grey throughout the history of time. My God. And, yeah. just, and just to see everybody very calm and just how proactive he is now with Xavier. It's just, it's chilling on one aspect just to think about everything that's happened in the past and now everybody's united. And now yeah. what is the possibility of the future moving forward? It's not just they're all united. They're all on the same page. Yeah. Because that's the th- the most shocking thing to me about that final sequence was Apocalypse basically go you know being like the dad pat on the back like good job guys this is this is what i've wanted for you all along you know this is what i've been trying to get you to the point i've been trying to get you guys to good job champ like and i'm like oh this is not good yeah because it's almost like the corruption of xavier maybe or just the fact that his dream is now reality so it's yeah. no longer a dream well you know it's it, it harkens back to the, that first issue right or it harkens back to that first issue right where yeah. um in magneto just outright says it you know like you have new gods now in like what they said a 20 year span yeah humans were just gonna be yeah extinct extinct and not even like extinct just like bred out of existence because yeah. you know that's just how sex works yeah right it's it's just the uh, the evolution of homo superior has mm-hmm. now just dominated and mm-hmm. uh, xavier's found a way to accelerate it too yeah well Obviously, he's going to be bringing back a ton, a ton of their own population, mm-hmm. and take uh, well in the Uncanny X Men, right? Uh, in the series that took place before this one, um, a uh, a mutant cure was yeah. created, and Dark Beast created an anti cure like it like yeah it was a vaccine to it or something in right. a variation that's, that's been dispersed to every single person on the earth right so if they're ever given that cure it results in death right right so like if you want to try and cure your your kid of the mutant you know problem before they even develop uh the the symptom um you're gonna kill your kid yeah so there's there's no way at this point to to cure the X gene. It's, it's impossible. Right. Without killing the host, at which point it is absolutely genocide. I mean, like, yeah, curing them like like as Destiny brought up mm-hmm. in the Moira in the Moira book, 
is, you know, still a form of genocide. But now, now, because of what Dark Beast did before House of X, it is absolutely genocide. Mm -hmm. Right. So unless they try tying in Reed Richards to be the one to find the so-called cure to that. And you know he's not going to. And he's not no. going to. Even though I did like, though, in House of X 1, the little oh jab God. Cyclops threw at him. Like, let Franklin know his family's ready for him whenever he's. Yeah. Yeah, but then Namor. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because the same thing is said to Namor. And Namor is just like, I don't, I don't need this. Yeah, Namor is Namor. Right? <laughs> he's just. Yeah. This is true. I was already proud of who I was. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and just wait till he starts getting more involved with the storyline. I just can't wait till Hickman gets his teeth in him. Uh, I'm I'm still disappointed that okay. So, personal opinion, I think they rushed the MCU, especially okay. in terms of Captain America. The sure. first Captain America movie should have ended with him beating the Red Skull, sure, but not like getting frozen in ice. Sure, it should have led into a second Captain America movie which would have been the invaders, mm -hmm. right? Okay. Which would have brought in the Human Torch, who was teased in the first Captain America movie. Sure. This is true. We, would, we could have also gotten Namor and, you know, uh, Bucky and, like, everyone else, and that would have been awesome. Yeah. But instead, they, they fast-tracked it so that we could get an Avengers movie out, and here we are, and we're, now we're trying to find some way to shoehorn Namor into the... MCU, which have they settled on the rights of that? Because to my knowledge, know. because we're, we're know. sitting here in 2019, the MCU has been going for the better part of 11, 12 years now, and yeah. we we still don't know who has the rights to Namor. And anyone we that gets asked in interviews about this is like, yeah, about that. Next question, please. The last I knew was Universal, but Feige has uh, had a good working relationship with them because yeah. they own the Hulk rights too. Right. So I think as long as they're not using them and they're and the money is good on both sides, I think they're allowed to slide them in. Because I know that there was that little quick jab they threw in Endgame about the earthquakes underwater yes. around Wakanda. Yes. Yeah. yeah, they mentioned the ocean. Yeah. So obviously Namor's got Everybody be freaked canon. out with Namor, yeah. even though we've had the Human Torch in there the entire time. Right, and multiple mentions of the ocean. I mean, like, yeah. the ocean appeared in, in, in Captain America. The ocean appeared in the Hulk. The ocean, the ocean <laughs> yeah. appeared in Avengers. Yeah, but the minute it's that earthquake, everybody's jumping like, Namor, right. Namor. It's uh, like, that, uh, ocean was in the Avengers. The, the freaking helicarrier came out of it. I know. I Me personally, I'm hoping they now with Disney+, Plus that they go back in time and do an Invaders series. Ooh, that'd be nice. That'd yeah, be good. Because nice. I think once they cast Namor, who, if it is Keanu Reeves... Who has been the last rumor I've heard? But yeah. then again, he's tagged with everybody right now. In the I'll MCU. say if it's an upcoming project and it has a male lead, Keanu Reeves is tied to it. Right, but I think <laughs> I think he would actually be good at it because I think that what I've been hearing lately is for Black Panther two, they're going to do like a political thriller. Mm. Right, Wakanda versus Atlantis. Uh, no, that was um okay. So, Boss Logic. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen his artwork. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, put out a poster that you know implied heavily implied that it was Black Panther two. Uh, the two kingdoms, you know, and had a trident, but uh, that that's since been debunked. And uh, in the last time we saw, you know, Chadwick Boseman and uh, Michael B. Jordan do an interview about, yeah, uh, they they just kind of like, no, that's not happening. But that's that's for now. Yeah, right. right like, yeah, there's no Plan, plans change. Right as it stands, there's no. As far as I know, there's no like working script for anything. No, we just have a release right, date. Right. right. I mean, plans change. I mean, I don't even think we have a release date for Black Panther two. Uh, no, nothing. Yeah. It, it, they've they've said they're working on it. They said so as much at San Diego Comic Con. Right. But they didn't give a firm date. It's not in the next phase. I thought D twenty three. They mentioned no. they gave a they gave a date. That was when I saw that uh, interview. The okay. D twenty three thing. Yeah, I think that they did mention a date. Like it was it was going to be tentatively May twenty twenty two. 
That I'll, was I'll the last I thought that I read about down that. down the line, isn't it? Yes. So, I mean, there is some time to obviously flip the script. And then, who I mean, who knows what they're going to wind up doing. May 6, 2022. Yes. So, they have the date. I am so stoked for Master of Kung Fu. Oh. Oh, my God. Simu Lao. I love him mm-hmm. so much. Can you imagine, though, if they try tying in Shang-Chi, though, to House of X and everything they're doing with the mutants? That'd be wild. Well, they got their own thing going on with um, with Agents of Atlas and Swordsmaster and Arrow, new on shelves. And <laughs> yeah. but you got to figure though, once once this story gets going, and obviously when Dawn of X and everybody spawns out into their own books, mm-hmm. they're going to have to start tying in everybody else from the MCU. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they can't keep it so closed. And especially once you start seeing the interaction they have with the rest of the MCU, mm-hmm. and now Xavier's reality is going to be their reality. Right, and especially with what they're doing and everything they're kind of implying and setting up, I gotta imagine there are certain characters in the comic universe that are not gonna be okay with that. No, definitely not. But I'm actually surprised we haven't seen Captain America say something. Yeah, I think there's that saving one came to that. mind, right? I, I mean, he did say something in Uncanny X Men before this, and you know, but otherwise, yeah, we haven't we haven't heard anything from anyone else in the Marvel Universe except for outside Reed Richards. Outside of Fan- uh, Reed Richards and Fantastic Four, but that was like issue two? And even then, that was like, Blank why did you rob us? Yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, Hickman is just setting it up, but like I said, as soon as Dawn hits, now we're going to see everybody else get involved. And how good is that going to be? Oh, my God. It's going to be nuts. Yeah, just wait for that. And then, obviously, though, with House and Powers wrapping up very shortly... Hickman is setting that groundwork, and once they get really rolling on it, look out, because mm-hmm. this is going to be something to watch going into the fall of uh, 2019. Yeah. But definitely let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts of the latest issue of House of X? What's your thoughts of Powers of 10? We definitely want to know. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm-hmm. Music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, PJ. Ah, yes. I am the master storyteller <laughs> yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers. Yes. The Google Play. Yes. Apple Podcasts. What else? Podbean. What else? Podcast Addict. Goddamn. All that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere. Worldwide, baby. Hustle motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah. We gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want us here to say, ah. Yeah, all that good fun stuff. <laughs> well, <laughs> f- you. <laughs> no, don't, don't run the listeners away, Peach. Ah, I'm sorry. But this is going kind of long. Yes. So we'll end this and say, hey, check out the Home Video Hustle every Friday on all the various podcast outlets. Peace. Peace. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is George Gatton, and you are listening to the Ocho Duro Parley Hour Entertainment Edition.
coming back for segment number two here on the ODPH podcast with Justin Credible joining us in studio. Hi, guys. How's it going? Oh, we are having a great time here. And we were just talking spoilers of House of X, which is a great series that you should be picking up at your local comic book shop, such as Sound Go Round. But now we have to kind of flip the attention to the DC Universe. Mm-hmm. Now, yes. Justin, you are a big fan of the DC Universe streaming service. I'm a big fan of DC in general. But yes, the DC streaming service just... Uh, every, just every show they've they've given us has been fantastic. Just Titans, Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol is amazing. Doom Patrol is so good. Um, you can't binge it though. No, you can't. No, you can't because like your your brain can't handle that much weird. Yeah, it, it's got to be the first time with Doom Patrol that I've ever heard. So universally a reaction about the show, the people, for, you know, oh, people, yeah. people go, oh, oh yeah, wh- how, what about Doom Patrol? How is that? And the, and the people who've seen it go, it's amazing. Yeah. And they sing its praises. And then the next sentence is, but don't watch it all at once. Oh, yeah. No, oh, yeah. you will be completely messed up. Listen, I watched all of Umbrella Academy by Gerard Way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I watched the first episode of Doom Patrol. Oh, boy. Which completely blew all of Umbrella Academy out of the water for me. Troy Fully agree. So good. So insanely good. And of course, um, oh God, what's his name again? Uh, Tudic? No. Uh, da, da. Brendan Fraser? Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser's back. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> his first scene. <laughs> it, it's incredible. Oh like, my God. you need to see it. You like, And I'm so happy they got renewed too. And especially yes. now they're going to put oh on God. HBO Max too. I don't know how it couldn't get renewed. I mean, like, okay, so. Um, that that episode uh, where Negative Man finally gets with uh, his his lover there, right? Like, oh my god, just the emotional, just the yeah. I the next day I heard um, Elton John's Your Song, mm-hmm. and like for, it's like I heard it for the actual first time. Like I actually heard it in the context of the way it was written. And the way it was meant to be heard, and like if you watch that episode and then listen to that song and then j- just replace the word song with dream, yeah, it, it hits uh. so close. Like how they've done oh the diversity, God. yes, and, and and so so well, and just Matt Bomber as Negative Man, and just mm-hmm. the oh my the, God. his take on the role has been so incredible. And Diane Guerrero, like how she has not been nominated for an Emmy for Crazy Jane, yeah. It's 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 unreal. It's it's unfair, honestly. Like I saw the other day, um, Supergirl won an award for best superhero show of the year. Sure. Which I'm not gonna lie, I absolutely love Supergirl, especially this season because it was a great discussion on like um, the far left and the far right mm-hmm. po- political spectrum in terms of like aliens and superheroes and whatnot. And, like, I thought it was a really amazing discussion on that and resonates especially with how things are uh, today. But Doom Patrol, Doom Patrol is just this fantastic discussion on mental illness and how with great power comes the great responsibility to share it with others and give it away and just, like, Oh my god! Everything the, just about it, yeah, is just it, it sums there's, up. Every, there's no superhero story out there. 
that's like Doom Patrol right now. No, it's one of a kind. Like you can watch anything you want on the CW. There's no mm-hmm. shot at any of those shows. No, those are great shows. They're great shows. But Doom Patrol is in a whole other class just dealing with, you know, the sexuality issue of Negative Man and mm-hmm. dealing with the family struggle of Robot Man right. and just the history of Elastigirl. And even when the show first came out and I heard Cyborg was coming on the show. Yeah. And I was like, how is this going to work? It works so perfect. So, so, so well. Like, and I know people were kind of like mad that Beast Boy wasn't going to be right. like a, a, a regular on it, but they, they did that. They did that episode. Yeah. Right? Yeah. When they did Titans episode or season one, episode four, and they did the intro, it made sense and how they set it up for Doom Patrol succeed. Because when Titans first came out and let's face it, when that first trailer came out and everybody heard the F Batman Right <laughs> line, and like everybody lost their mind, especially me because I'm going like, wait, what? Like, I'm pretty sure we had an entire segment just crapping all over it. Oh yeah, because ah, uh, really? Because for the first trailer, like for the trailer for the trailer. No, yeah. I, I get that. But like my thing about it was like, okay, this is completely out of context, and this kind of looks like right. Because oh, but it but it totally isn't though. But no, when you watch the episode, when you watch the no, episode, no, I get that. But like even before then, um, okay, so I know we're kind of going off topic here, I'm but let's huge, go with it. I'm a huge DC fan, yeah, and like. One of my favorite, favorite things about the DC Universe is Nightwing. Sure. Yeah. Like, how, how he becomes Nightwing, you know, how he was the first kid psychic, et cetera. Yeah. But, like, one of the, one of the, um, one of the, okay, so Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? There's one episode that just keeps flashing back into my mind every okay. time uh, I heard you know, F Batman, right? And that's this episode where um, Batman is chasing down a uh, a henchman for the Joker, right? Okay. And he's chasing him through apartment buildings. Robin is like tailing him, right? And Batman's like super aggressive about it right now. Mm. Like he's just like not letting anything in its way. And dude, like you know, he weaves through these apartments, runs into this apartment, and Batman tackles him and just starts pounding him, just like just beating this man's face in, screaming, "Where is he?" Right? <laughs> yeah, and. And, you know, Robin comes in and watches him beat this man just bloody in front of his own son. Yeah. And he's just like, I, I can't. I can't do this anymore. Right? Like, you're a monster and you're turning me into a monster. And when I first saw that trailer and I heard him say that, that was the first scene that ran to my mind. And I was like, yep. See, that didn't register with me. Like, when I saw right. it, I just thought the initial first thought was, okay, we're making a superhero Riverdale. <laughs> and I literally, and I was like, combine a little oh, Rob Liefeld Extreme Studios I can't do for it. the violence. Like, that's what I first saw. And I'm going, oh, my God. Like, how are you going to try selling this? Because that's the, like, literally, that's the first thing I saw. And I'm going, oh, my God, no, this is going to be cheesy and it's going right. to suck. It, it and, was the first trailer for the anything out of out of the DC right. universe. And so we're like, wait, and, and I think a lot of people's reaction, dun, 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 my dun, my dun. reaction included yeah. was, wait a minute, this is the original Robin who, you know, tries to be holier than Bruce Wayne himself. And he's saying, F Batman? Wait, what? Yeah. and then But once you watch that first episode, that line is taken so out of context. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. So once I saw it, I go, oh, okay, this makes sense. And like, I was like, okay, I'm in. And and everything about the show, like I thought, they had a good first season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Starfire, best best part of the show, first oh my season. God. She was 
in a so Diop. sassy and I love you know what I love I love it I love it when when haters gotta hate and they gotta be like ah oh, she's she's dressed in appropriately man did you ever read her origin story ah uh, yeah. Like, yeah whoa dude yeah and just because like the Teen Titans cartoon made it child friendly does not mean that that's the way the character is in the comics yeah right there's source material for yeah this yeah stuff, the people. wolfman perez run just yeah enough said even 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 by today's standards like starfire is still you know a very you know proud person who who is co- not afraid to show off who she is like yeah She's she's yeah. she's, she's so self confident in herself yeah. that, that she does not care what anybody thinks or she you don't know, need no the, man yeah the public opinion yeah no I mean <laughs> yeah. obviously I mean the whole the Red Hood and Outlaws series I mean that's right yeah case in point well, I I, ju- I just watched um Teen Titans versus the Justice League the other day just oh like, so good I hadn't seen it in a while so I rewatched it and like the way they portray Corey in that is just fantastic you know but they they still like throw in those those little like subtle you know subtle jabs i slept with dick yeah stuff like that well okay so you know that's his name i swear well it's rick now yeah (laughs) (sighs) yeah there's a whole other discussion speaking of which um i just saw in in the the new previews that rick grayson who is Dick Grayson, but the artist formerly known as Amnesia, yeah. because comic books, uh, is going to be taking on the mantle of the Talon. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That could be something. So that'll be interesting. That's uh, that's tied into DC's Year of the Villain, which it's uh, been an just insane series where uh, Lex Luthor becomes an apex predator and has made an offer to every single supervillain in the world along with the citizens of their world to you know take what's rightfully theirs and you know lean the nature of the universe more from justice towards doom heralding the return of this like multiversal goddess known as Perpetua. Yeah. She's like the mother of the multiverse and the monitors and the world forger who, you know, they, the world forger just came out of dark Knight's metal. The monitors, obviously they've been around since crisis Crisis on infinite earths, which that crossover. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Tom Welling's back. Yeah. Ah. Rosenbaum. Yeah. I read that. I read that thing. Yeah, we'll get into that in one shots. <laughs> Definitely, we we will deep dive into that. But for like everything they've done with the characters too. I mean, mm-hmm. and especially for Titans to bring it back to the, to the subject here. Right, right, right. Just how they've done it, and especially the show. Like I said, it was it was good. It had a couple episodes. I was like, okay, not the best, but first right. season you're going to deal with Doom Patrol. How they set them up to succeed. Oh. And how they ended the season one, like I thought, the first twenty minutes of season two premiere should just tied in with. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. That, that, I was saying the same thing. The, the cliff, other day. the cliffhanger was like, not a cliffhanger. It didn't need to be a cliffhanger, right? I mean, it did because obviously this is a new fledgling network type thing, mm. and they yeah. needed to make sure that yeah. they were going to get a second season. Well, they announced at New York Comic Con last year that they right. were renewed, right? For season two. And I'm not even sure if this is technically a season two, because I remember there was supposed to be like a mid-series break, and then yeah, they were supposed to come back, which makes sense for well, how this season, I'm doing air quotes, yeah. season, you know, started off. 
it was kind of tricky because I think they were trying to do some other shows first, but with Swamp Thing getting canceled early, I think that threw a wrench in everything because we still right. haven't heard about Stargirl uh, when that's supposed to get released because that was supposed to come out, I think, in December, but I haven't seen anything for that. That is true. That is true. Although I am, I'm kind of surprised they got Luke Wilson for that. Yeah. Like the casting they got for that show is actually yeah. really good. Yeah. So I'm excited to see where they go with that. But Titans has been what sent the benchmark, and obviously the first season is very good. The second started out a little slow for me, but is really picked up. Like the first oh pre- my the premiere God. episode, yeah, it picks be- up so quickly. Because now we're getting to the Judas yeah. contract and mm-hmm. who is Donna Troy. Like I'm just kind of seeing where mm-hmm. the stories are going from the Wolfman and Perez run. And as we jump into this episode, and we are oh talking God, spoilers, Donna threw a freaking motorcycle at him. <laughs> yeah, how badass was that? <laughs> I'm like this guy. Yeah, he's got he's got light powers, but man, like, <laughs> yeah, Donna Troy is still human. Yeah. Donna Troy is just the best, like, so far she's opened out of the gate as one of the best characters on the season thus yeah. far. I mean, she was yeah. great at season one, but season two she is just going into it. Uh, dude, I love Hawk, though. The story they've set up with Hawk and Dove. Oh, uh, break your heart. Oh, uh, Alan Richardson has been playing him just, I didn't think there was that much depth to this character, to be honest. But Richardson has oh, been. Oh, dude, yeah, no, ch- you got to check out the comics. I got to go back and read Because, yeah. like, before, like, I don't know, Hawk and Dove just never really connected with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I always thought they were interesting characters. I know they're tied with the Titans. And just how they did the origin story right. in season one was great. Oh, my God. And to see the progression that's going on now with the character and just how he <laughs> wants to leave, but, like, he's a drug addict to the superhero game. Yeah. I mean, and how crazy of a take is that? But it works, though. It so works because as we leave off and they are now coming to San Francisco to Titans Tower, which I'm kind of glad it wasn't a big T on the show. Yeah, I think there's there's so much weird like the fan reaction to that was just weird. Like, yeah, like, oh, it's not a T. And then other people were like, yeah, because it would collapse on itself because. That's not how physics works. Yeah, exactly. That's where I'm sitting there going, like, how are you going to do this? The thing will Wait come a down. minute. You tell, you're meaning to tell me com, uh, cartoon shows don't follow the laws of physics? I'm telling well, you that comic books don't follow yeah. the laws of right, physics. Right, but this is live action, so thus <laughs> we have to kind of find a precedent. Yeah, that's true. So, obviously, with the, tire, the tower being there and as it is, and owned by Bruce Wayne, too, which... Well, it... it wasn't it always? I feel like in the comics it was. I think, like, it was, and then I wasn't sure if it got retconned. Like, for some reason, like, something was jumping out, like, I don't know who the mysterious benefactor is, but it was it probably pretty always sure, pretty it was always, uh, always Batman, and then, like, eventually, you know, Dick buys it. Well, I know with, what was it, with, with uh, Young Justice in season one when they set up their own base, it was kind of like, I forget mm-hmm. the exact specifics because it's been a while since I've seen season one of Young like Justice. It was like the former headquarters. It was like a former headquarters yeah. that, like, they still own, but, like, hey, we're just using it for storage. We're not really doing anything with it, so here you go. <laughs> yeah, so obviously... When they decide to return to San Francisco, everything's been a little crazy. And now with the younger team of Beast Boy and Raven and Jason Todd, who was kicked out of the, the back okay. cave for tampering with a computer with questionable websites. Yeah. How like how hysterical is that line? So you're saying he was he was going to LimeWire. He was doing something. Okay, so we all know how big the monitor is to the back cave, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So you know that's the only reason. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like you, uh-huh. you can bring those same websites up on your phone. Yeah. It's 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 an aspect ratio thing. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> can you imagine like Batman's reaction walking into the Batcave and going, "Oh my god, what is this saved no, on the browser?" No, you know what it is. It's kind of like back in the nineties. He went to hop on the internet to check uh, check something and got a thousand pop ups. <laughs> yeah, he's going like. 
and he can't close any of them. Yeah, so the back the back computer is down. So Jason, Jason, you turned off the browsing or the ad block. Why would you turn off the ad block? <laughs> so now he's banished out with Dick Grayson, and, and you know they're forming their team and doing their training. The which the blindfold sword fighting. I'm st- I'm still that getting was u- cool. It's, it's cool, but I'm still getting used to it. I I okay. So like, I love Raven. Yeah, I think the girl they got to play her is fantastic. Tegan Croft is awesome. I, lo- I love the character that they've done so far. I don't think she is skilled enough at this point to fight anyone with a katana while blindfolded. No, in sure. general, yeah, I, I agree with that. But it was very, very cool to watch, and Jason Todd totally had that coming. <laughs> Yeah, Kern Walters Which, is completely playing him to the letter. I, I guess you could just say that for any scene that he's in is uh, you totally had that coming. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He is completely giving you every reason to hate Jason Todd. Oh, yeah. But he's doing it so smoothly. It's wonderful. Yeah, he is uh-huh. just one of the best parts of this season. And now that they've added him and especially that now he's figured out, okay, who Rose Wilson's dad is, mm-hmm. which is Slade Wilson, which is never good for anybody involved. And as they're moving forward, the team is updated about Deathstroke because now Hawk and Dove have now come since Dr. Light have ran them out of Wyoming. Donna Troy has now come from Chicago because Starfire is technically missing at this stage right? because she's been kidnapped. And they're getting the update that, oh, yeah, Deathstroke is back and we have her daughter in the tower. And the reaction is what you would expect. Yeah. Oh, God, why did, why, 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 Dick, why, why, Dick, Dick? And he has. Richard. He has no answer. (laughs) He has none. Like, I'm sorry. Like, his whole explanation was just like, um, I'll yeah. I'll deal with it. Yeah, I'll deal with it. And they're like, this is the whole reason the team separated the first time. Yep. And he's like, yeah, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. I'm like, no, this is this is freaking Slade Wilson. Yeah. This this isn't the Royal Flush Gang. This is no. possibly the deadliest man on earth. Yes. Like, yeah. Oh, and the guy they got to play him is just so intense. I love him. Yeah, like I, yeah. Th- I thought when they didn't Ugh. get Manu Bennett, like it was going to be an issue. But Asaya Morales has been killing it. Great. I mean, and especially Great casting choice. Yeah, just how he's kind of int- you know brought himself into the show, and and he's definitely making his take on him stand out. Mm-hmm. Because like I yeah. said, Manu Bennett was a great Deathstroke. Oh, Manu Bennett's phenomenal. And I know when they kind of teased her, it was rumored that Deathstroke could be coming to this season. Everyone was like, Manu Bennett, please. Yeah. Nah. But Morales is doing his thing. Honestly. And I think even Manu Bennett like, publicly came out and was like, listen, if they want me to do it, I'm down for it. Well, yeah, because I, I forget what show he was filming. Um, it was the the Chronicles there. Oh, yeah. Shannara? Shannara? Yeah. How you say it? Whatever it was. Shannara. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Whatever that one show was. So I thought he was tied up at the time. But the casting has been great with Deathstroke and how he's just implementing himself by playing the long game, teaming up with Dr. Light, mm-hmm. who is, you know, a human with light powers. I'm not a huge fan of the casting. I like the actor. I, I liked him on the uh, this the reboot-ish thing of Scrubs. Yeah, Michael like, Mosley. It wasn't, it wasn't a great reboot, but I liked him. I liked his character. But, like... When I see Arthur Light in my mind, right, I see this, like, mustache-twirling, like, kind of classical supervillain, but over-the-top and, like, you know... I see him being Alan Tudyk. Yeah. Right? Alan Tudyk, I think. Right, Like, I mean, comparing with Mr. Nobody, but yeah. In this case, like, he's very much a dude bro. Yeah. With superpowers and, like, a... 
a not visually a, a th- appealing suit. No, he looks like he stole yeah. something out of Cadmus. Right. And, right. And, and and that's why I sit there and like, like a well, prototype. Yeah, like it almost and, it just looks like bad body armor. Like at first thought I thought it was Guardian for some reason. Right. And I'm going, why yeah. is Guardian Or the Ray? Yeah. Even? Like it's just how it's designed. Actually it looks a lot like the Ray. Yeah, now that you mention that? Yeah, the whole headpiece cuz it's got like the like the full right. hawk and the chest. Yeah. Is that the Ray's armor? Oh my god, I think it is. Did we accidentally just figure out that the Ray is on this show? <laughs> I think we did. Whoops. Oh, we're tweeting this we'll out see. after the show. We'll if, we, if we get a, if we get an email in the inbox saying uh cease and desist. Yeah, see we get a cease and desist. You heard there. it here first, folks. Yeah, if we get a cease and desist <laughs> from Warner Brothers, we know we had something. Full exclusive on the ODPH. Won't be the first time, won't be the last. <laughs> If, if you're listening to this episode and it suddenly stops, that's because we were forced to pull it down. Yeah. So we might be taking a two-week hiatus until we figure it out. But still, we're talking right now. So, hey, they haven't pulled the plug yet. But as we're going into it, but yeah, I, I fully agree. Like, his character is just – I understand how they're trying to do it to be a, a complete different dynamic from Deathstroke. Right. But it's just like it's coming off as he's just – Deathstroke is just toying with him because he's going to wind up killing him. Like, you can kind of sense that that's coming. And it's just kind of like he's coming off as a henchman, which in the comics he's not a henchman. Right. You know, he's he's one of the most notorious villains in all the DC. Although, there is a moment in DC's history in which we see Dr. Light and Deathstroke together. Mm-hmm. And that's Identity Crisis. Right. Right? Yeah, that's where... So, like, do you think this Arthur Light has had his mind wiped at any point? I think that if they do what I think they're going to do, mm-hmm. yes. All right. That's, yeah, that's what I was thinking because, like, what what happened? Yeah. Right? Like, yes, obviously there's a relationship between Slade and the Titans, but there's also a relationship between Light and the Titans, and they definitely sent all the heavy hitters to go deal with Light. Yeah. That I think that there is a character that we haven't seen yet get introduced mm-hmm. that would be involved in that storyline because obviously they're not going to tie in the elongated man without spoiling anything. Right. Obviously. So in, unless they do what I've heard they're rumored to do in Crisis on Infinite Earths, they're going to tie in the DCU into that. Oh, that'd be wild. So CW meets DCU. That'd be wild. I've heard some rumblings. All right. Whether it's a all cameo right. shot or something. I mean, all I know is that technically there are four Supermen signed onto this. Yeah. Yes. Because Dean Cain, yep, yep, right, Tom Welling, yep, thank God, uh, yeah, Tyler Hochin, yep, and, and um, Roth, Brandon Ruth, yeah, yeah, Ruth there, yeah, that I think is possible. So we might see something happen. I don't know it, if they get Henry Cavill in this thing. I'm gonna lose my freaking mind, <laughs> dude. That might be the highest. If whatever episode that they're all on screen together might be the highest rated TV show in history. Oh my God! Like it, either way, four Supermen. Yeah, that's it. Four of the living Superman. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, I mean, like you can't you can't do better than that right now. I no. mean, like you could get all the Batman together, I suppose, but yeah, I don't think it would have the same effect. To no. be honest, no, with you. that's because Val Kilmer looks the way he does. Yeah, I think that, and <laughs> well, I think, and and I think the minute everybody sees Clooney, they would just turn right. it off. They'd be like, oh no. 
Right, and I think you could even bring in Christopher Reeve if you want to make it five. With I now I understand he's dead, but if I'm not mistaken, his wife had a part in Smallville after he died. Oh, probably. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. you could bring in have his wife play a cameo, and, and hey, there's the connection. I mean, it's not Christopher Reeve, but it's his wife. I'm still sad that Rosenbaum's not coming back. Uh, yet, yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah we're we're gonna dive into that on one shot. Offer him the money, DC. Do it. Yeah, because, give him money. Because especially if they can tie in everybody. And especially, this is the one time you're, you're bridging John the gap Cryer with everybody. John versus Michael Rosenbaum. We need that. Rosenbaum every time. Oh, my God. Make Rosenbaum the Earth-3 Luthor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Alexander. Oh. What? Oh. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I lost my train of thought because I'm... Oh, okay. <laughs> that is ama- That is amazing. But getting back to the episode, oh, yeah, one shot is going to be extended on that one, folks. Uh-huh. <laughs> but when they start dealing, with, though, with Dr. Light, and they do have that fight scene, too, with Donna Troy with the motorcycle. Oh, my God. I mean, just how they're, you know, she's using the lasso of truth. I'm just like, every time Donna whips, whips it out, I'm just like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Because she is just wrecking shop. And I'm loving the pairing with she her. She doesn't and, have the lasso of truth, though. Or it's not. Well, I it's keep on thinking else. this, but it, it's 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 a different one. But yeah. I, every time I see it, because I'm just waiting for it to explain it is. Because I thought they mentioned like, or they were teasing something about it. Because I know that obviously they haven't introduced Wonder Woman in this universe thus yet. But it's still to say it's going to happen. But the pairing that she has with Starfire and how they're building off that with Starfire now going off on her own adventure, but yet coming back because they're dealing with Tamaran. I think is a is a nice ploy. It's the lasso of persuasion. That's right. Yeah. All right. So my bad on that one. But it's but like I thought like at, at one point they were referring to it as the truth. Like maybe I was reading a couple places. Oh, probably. Yeah, because they haven't introduced Diana Prince yet. But obviously, if they've done Batman, they're going to be introducing Wonder Woman. I think at some point. They're definitely introducing Aquaman. Oh, Aquaman right. is oh, coming. Yeah. Definitely happening. And I'm not doubting Momoa shows up for that. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I'm not. You know he loves his DC. Oh my god. Oh, my God. I would love to see that. Although, right now, I believe he's uh, in the midst of protesting out in Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. So, But anything is possible, so I'm not doubting that he does show up because, like I say, any man that goes and writes on every single autograph, F Marvel, <laughs> you know he's pro DC, and they'll be like, hey, you want to show up for this? Cool. And he'll just come, Yeah, he'll just come running on screen. And we, we need to see that because once they start introducing Aqualad and where they're going to go with him, I mean, I think that that's going to tie into a flashback sequence so far because we have not seen anything thus yet saying that when he shows up, he's going to be in the current timeline. Because as they're dealing with it, you have the the older guard is dealing with Dr. Light. Deathstroke is setting up the newer one because Jason Todd doesn't want to sit on the sidelines and decides to go Jason Todd, which he's like, oh, I know where Dr. Light is because he disappeared. I'm going to go chase him. Oh, dude. Do you think he'll turn him into the Red X? Ooh, I don't. Ooh. I hope, but I good. don't think they're going to do that. I'm just saying. I think I think they're going to just try setting up death of the family too much, or death in the family rather. Mm. I think that that's what they're going to wind up doing. I mean, obviously without the one eight hundred number, but I think they're going to. <laughs> I don't set, know. I, I I'd seen somewhere that they might consider doing that. I'd like at they, least as an online poll. Could you imagine if they did that? Oh my God. And just between the subscribers, and if you offer some deal, like you you extended like a two week trial if you vote if you vote on it. Right. How like how brilliant strategy you is that? Get a month of DC streaming for free. DC Universe, holler at us and take a month off our bill. We're giving you free free advertising here on this one. This is not sponsored yet. Yes, but can you imagine if they decide to go that route? Oh my god! Because that's what that's why I think they're set up. I mean, if they did Red X, that'd be awesome too. But 
I don't know how much they're going to toy because I think they're kind of trying to cram too much in this season. But I like it that they're tying into the Titans mythos, though, right? With the storyline, so. I mean, I'd love, like I said, I'd love to see it, but I don't know because as you see, when Jason decides to go, Jason, yeah, sure, he beats down Doctor Light, but Deathstroke's standing at the end, and you have Gar just seeing the trail of blood. So as we discussed, oh yeah, he's not dead. Yep. Because why? Because if you don't see a body, they ain't dead. That's rule number one. Like it, and that extends to everywhere, man. Like, okay, so even even the Watchmen, right? We never saw the comedian's body. Not once in the book do you actually see his body after he dies. It's a closed casket, casket funeral. We don't see it on the sidewalk. You never, ever once see the comedian's body. And you know what happens? He appears in Doomsday Clock because he's been in the DC Universe this entire freaking time, apparently. Yeah. Kicking back, chilling. Well, how they're doing Doomsday Clock is just so incredible, too. Oh, my God. I didn't think it was going to be this good. I don't think I can wait until December. I mean, I'm going to have to. Yeah. But, oh, dude, that last episode... Just every single issue of Doomsday Clock has been just mind blowing. Like uh, the 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 issue where we find out how tied the DC multiverse is to Superman. Yeah, is the, just insane. Like Superman first appears to the public in 1938, and then again in 1955. And then again in 1985, every single time their universe gets rebooted. And, like, in turn, so does every other universe, right? So anytime anytime something changes in the DC universe, the, the starting point is Superman. Yeah. And then going from there, it's a ripple effect throughout the entire multiverse. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Dr. Manhattan decides that he wants to see what happens if he decides to, you know, pull at some strings. And all he does, all he does is just moves a lantern on a train six inches out of reach of the conductor and just completely erases the JSA from history. Yeah. Just insane. Insane. And it's just him just experimenting. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, the DC universe is just an experiment to him. Yep. I mean, and how would it be if they try tying in Dr. Manhattan? I mean, I know the HBO show is coming out. Mm-hmm. But if he does a little tampering with the DC universe streaming service, hypothetically, <laughs> to tie in the Doomsday Clock. They're all under one uh, big corporate banner. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Because the, the, way, the way Doomsday Clock starts out is, you know, Osmandius and his crew, uh, Rorschach, yeah. Mime, and Marionette, leave in Archie as the world goes up in nuclear fire. Yeah. Because everything that he tried to accomplish in The Watchmen blew up in his face. Because, obviously, if you've read The Watchmen, uh, you know that Rorschach's journal made it into the hands of the news. Well, it's implied that it at least It got leaked out. Yeah, there's leaks out. But they never go beyond that. Right. Right? And, obviously, we have now. And, you know... The word got out that Os- Osmandius, Adrian Veidt, uh orchestrated the entire event and in doing so caused the entire world to just lose its mind and drove it straight into the arms of mutually assured destruction. Yeah. So, you know, the whole the whole plot at first was, you know, we're off to seek the wizard to save our universe from the destruction that we 
brought it into by getting rid of him in the first place, the wizard being Dr. Manhattan, of course. And now, for some reason, um, the gears have completely shifted, mm. and now it's Adrian Veidt trying to get rid of Superman, and I'm not sure what his motivation exactly for that is yet, but I'm sure we'll find out in the next issue. Oh, yeah, it's going to be something classic when they're right. coming out with it. I mean, Jeff Johnson said such a thing. And to see him with the hands-on, too, with the Titans show, to kind of wrap up what we're talking about, it's nice to see that they're really taking their time to set up both. I mean, Doomsday Clock is paying mm-hmm. so much respect to Alan Moore's work, even though Alan Moore wants nothing to do with it. Well, I, I, no, but that's a whole different stuff. Here. I love that, man, but... That's what you get when you sell your characters. Yeah. It, it is what it is. It I mean, that's the easiest way to describe it. But with the way Johns is dealing Sony. with this. Yes. <laughs> Disney. Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. That's a thing, too. <laughs> oh, man. One shots is going to be extended today, folks. Trust me on this one. But with Titans, though, with how Jeff Johns is weaving this, I mean, how he's mm-hmm. tied in everything, too. I mean, you have to be excited as a comic fan for what they've done with it, too. Because they've really sold it away from the version we've seen on Cartoon Network. Right. And just the established, you know, Teen Titans Go and everything's happy-go-lucky to a more grounded version, albeit a little more violent. Like I've said, it, it kind of reminds me of, like, the 90s Extreme Studios comics mm-hmm. just uh, with the violence in it. And I'm not meaning that as a bad thing. It's just very in-your-face, very blunt, no apologies needed. So to see him kind of tie it into now with the stories that made the Titans the Titans, make right. it the classics, I think it has to be very promising for fans moving forward. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and you know, I I honestly love this this darker turn that DC has taken, uh, both in their um, their uh, digital mm-hmm. media and in their print media, right? Because mm-hmm. like a um, a world full of superheroes is by definition violent. The reason superheroes exist is because people needed protection, right? from crime from the dangers that are lurking outside of their doors and these superheroes are like hey uh what's what's the word um they're the protectors who are supposed to be the ones that are doing the right thing but yet are demonstrating in some cases the wrong thing that's that's not untrue but ultimately um a world like a world with superheroes would not be a sanitized world. It would be violent. It would be dark. It would be gritty because there's a lot of crime, especially if we're talking about any character coming out of, you know, Gotham. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like Dick Grayson has seen his fair share of mob crime, of murders, of stuff that you would only see on special victims unit. Like it, he's, it would be a dark and gritty story and they're nailing that aspect. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I think so. I think Titans has really portrayed that. I mean, and it's a very interesting take. Like I said, it's a lot different than my original take, which I'm very happy about. Right. Because, like I said, I thought we were going to have, like, you know, CW meets Riverdale, like, or DC meets Riverdale. Like, I just, I had this vision of it, and I'm so happy I'm wrong. Because the show has been so good, and coming out of the gate, too. I mean, the season premiere was very, you know, hit and miss. The hit was definitely the latter half. Right. The miss was the beginning. But they've now nailed it with Deathstroke and what they're setting up, and they're doing the slow take on it. And now, where I think where they're going with the storyline with Death in the Family is going to be a really interesting flip to see how Dick Grayson is now in the role of Bruce Wayne. Right. If you've ever read that classic story, which you should, because it's it's so good. Minus even with the one eight hundred, it's it's an epic storyline either way. But for Titans, though, it's a lot of fresh takes on the characters, and especially everything involved in this episode. 
Definitely check it out if you haven't seen it already. It's on the DC Universe streaming service. New episodes every Friday. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts on this past week's episode of Titans? We definitely want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. This is RJ, Ash, Ray, Brandon, Harrison, and Bronson. We host a Dungeons & Dragons podcast called Realms & Nerds. Some highlights of our show include wreaking havoc in every town we visit, blowing up hot tubs, killing off fan-favorite characters, high necromancers, inappropriate wedding etiquette, and every now and then, actually good storytelling. Join us in the realms of Pridea for fun fantasy adventures. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or just about wherever you get podcasts. Hey, this is Rob Kacharek from the band 607, Autopilot Off, and Walking Distance, and you're listening to ODPH. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast with Justin Credible in studio with us. Oh, oh! So I'm just going to get our shout outs. I hate outs. myself for that. I really do. I'll let it slide, it's man. Good. It's, it's slide, man. Uh, I'm just going to get our shout outs out of the way because I really want to jump into one shots and just keep the conversation going. So this Friday night as we are recording, Friday night, September 27th, Galaxy Brewing Company, we are doing our con season kickoff because cons mm. are kicking off big time for the hashtag uh-huh. 607 podcast group. It's so, true. So down at Galaxy Brewing Company, we have Shout Out the Robots, Floodlands, Brian, and Zero Mean Plane. $5 cover. Uh, 7 o'clock, doors open. 8 o'clock, the show starts. So definitely come down. All the hashtag 607 podcasts will be down there. Horizon 607, Three Fat Nerds will be down there. Next day, Robercon. Mm-hmm. Robercon. Now, would you like to talk a little bit about what's going on with Robercon? Oh, man, I love Robercon. Robercons are most uh, local and longest-running uh comic-con and it's down at the roberson center over over on front street and robson robinson f it's robinson f right i think, I think so. so yeah robinson street it's over in it's over on off front yeah, street it's in, in binghamton yeah. <laughs> robercon.org will have the directions right we're and so used to it because we go there all the time so that's and i i love it i love it there because um you know it's a it's a smaller con but you know it's very local a lot of the people from the area go um, the cosplay contest is fantastic. I'm actually hosting this year, which will be awesome for those who are competing because I've won this costume contest three times and just makes it easier if I'm not competing, right? Say, yeah, they're, they're also tired of you winning. So like, listen, you're not going to win. You're going to judge. <laughs> and so what would you say you're looking for in cosplay contestants? Like what stands out for you? Like since you've done, you've so, been such a well-known cosplayer, right? Like, what stands out when you're, like, looking for somebody's costume? Well, when I'm looking at someone's costume, I'm looking at their construction, right? Like, how much they time they personally put into the costume versus uh, how much money they put into the costume. You know, like, I have a fantastic Deadpool costume. Yes. Like, it's movie accurate. I got it from uh, I got it from Pro Cosplay for about $350. Uh, it's very comfortable. It's very warm, so I can wear it in the winter. It's you know, it's just great fabrics and everything. I would never compete in it though, because I didn't make a single damn thing on it. Okay, right. But you know, I. That's not to say that you shouldn't just compete for the sake of competing, right? Like you can still win a cosplay contest uh, based off of your performance, right? Mm-hmm. So. When it when it comes to when it comes when it comes to stuff like that, I'm looking for 
technical expertise, right? Mm. Like how much effort you put into making your costume. And then on top of that, how much effort you're going to go into to portray the character that you are. Okay. Right? Because I've, I've won costume contests as the Joker, right? Oh, that's awesome. As the Joker. The most common costume in the world. And I'll tell you what, I didn't actually make a single piece on that costume. I bought every single piece from various Goodwills. I assembled it. I found yeah. I found a beautiful like purple trench, leather trench coat, which that was one in the one of a kind find that I'll never ever ever have the the luck of finding again. But it wasn't that that pushed the judges over the edge. I mean, obviously the costume looked really really cool and accurate and you know, it just screamed the Joker. But the thing that got them were my jokes. Mm. Oh, nice. Right. So you I mean full character. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, that's a, that's one part of cosplay, too. I mean, when we have Cosplay on, we always have cosplayers right. come on. But that's but that's such a big aspect that I don't think it's you know focused on enough because everybody sees the great costumes, but it's all about the character with it. Right. Yeah, I, w- right. I was uh, down at Sangaroff for Free Comic Book Day when you were in your Deadpool costume. <laughs> and, oh, my God, he had the entire line oh, in stitches. He was walking around with a megaphone. And, and if, <laughs> if I didn't know it was him, I'd swear Ryan Reynolds was walking around. Oh, it that, was just, that's high praise. Uh, it was hilarious. I met him once. Oh yeah, he smells great. Wow. <laughs> I was gonna say, did you did you tell him that you cosplay as him? No, no. Uh, I actually went to the um, the premiere for the Deadpool movie in okay. New York City. Sure. And you know, Ryan came out and you know went up on the stage and posed with a picture with all the Deadpool cosplayers because if you came in a Deadpool costume, you got it for free. Oh, nice. nice. Right. So me and my. Then girlfriend, current fiance, thank you very much. Congratulations. Congratulations. I'm publicly now on the show. <laughs> um, we went down and, you know, Ryan came out and he was like, let's get a picture with me and all the Deadpools. And you can actually see this picture mm. if you just search, you know, Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool cosplayers. It is the first image you will come across. And standing next to him is a, you know, a lady Deadpool. Mm-hmm. That's my fiance. Okay. And if you look in the background, you will see uh, someone shooting an I love you or possibly devil horns behind him. And that's my hand. Oh, get out. Yeah. So, you know. Kind he of a smelled big deal. great. Yeah. Everyone else in the room. Was, but he smelled great. <laughs> that's amazing. It was great, man. Like they, they got salt and pepper to show up. Every, they oh, got the entire awesome. cast of Deadpool to show up. Even the guy who played Colossus. How cool is that? It was it was it was amazing. It was an awesome experience. I actually ended up on the uh, the Spencer's Facebook page. Okay. Oh, cool. Uh, because we went down to Midtown Comics, you know, just to you know, and there was a photographer for Spencer's there, and they were like, "We're going to take a picture of you in her costume," and then, you know, they put it up online, and I got over two thousand likes on that. That was really cool. And then some dude called me Fat Pool, and I was like, "Really, man? Really? Really?" You can't listen to that kind of nonsense. No, online. I really don't. Yeah, you just, I mean, I, t- I advise that to anybody because you will find people that just like to get on there and troll. Yeah. Just ignore them and keep it moving. Just ask them, okay, you put your your butt in some spandex. We'll see how people like you. Yeah. Exactly. Right? What, you're so fit? Come on. So this so this weekend, though, Robocon is going down 28th, 29th at, mm-hmm. at Roberson. Robocon.org for more information. The cosplay contest that you're going to be judging is when? It's uh, it's on Sunday. Um, I believe it's... I want to say noon, two, something. It has all the con or the schedules that are up on Robocon there. So right. we definitely right. double check that because I know for us, we're doing our panel since we are badge sponsors of Robocon this year. 
we're going to be on at 11 o'clock in the morning doing an MCU panel uh-huh. with Johnny Moose and Coach Duffy and Brian Rhodes. And we are just doing one live take. We're not doing any edits. We're just going to post nope. it right then and there. Makes nice. it easy for me. Yes. Yeah. It'll be super easy. Pat just has to do the intro and do the outro, which will be shout out the robots, uh, two-week notice, which is like the unofficial anthem for Robocon. Yeah. And then the next day, or we'll actually should I say at noon on Saturday is Three Fat Nerds. Yep. Uh, Horizon 607 are going to do a joint podcast as well. So it's definitely going to be a 607 podcast takeover on Saturday. And then Saturday night at Dragon Master Games, Shout Out the Robots is doing double duty for us. They're doing a, a free show at Dragon Masters to kind of you know keep the party going, so to speak, yeah. the AfterCon party, as we're calling it. So you can find the links on that on our social media accounts. And then Sunday, we're doing the uh, podcast workshop. Rich from 3FN, Mike C. from Horizon, and I are going to do it. So if you're at Robocon, you want to talk podcasts, 11 a.m., we're going to be doing it, just breaking down the you know the one one oh one is about it. It's it's kinda weird like the whole podcast panel thing and, and just how to make one because I you know, I've been listening to podcasts for the better part since like two thousand five and it just started out as this niche thing where for the majority of it people were like, Oh, what are you listening to? A podcast and they're like, What in the God's name is that? But now it's just blown up to the point where it's like you have places like you know, like the New York Times, Washington Post. I mean, ESPN's got the thirty for thirty podcast series where it's essentially what they do with their documentary series, but in podcast form. It's just incredible to see how far it's come. Yeah, so definitely it's gonna be something to check out, especially if you're ever interested in what goes on with it. I mean, yeah. we'll give you honest advice, honest talk about it. So hopefully we don't scare anybody away. <laughs> I wish you could get closed captioning on podcasts. No, I'm kidding. Well, you know, I'm sure you can get transcripts and on stuff, YouTube. Yeah. We were kind of like trying to see what we can work around with that because I've yeah. I've seen sometimes it pops up there, but like I don't. I'll be honest, I'm still learning the YouTube game and the, to see the what thing we do. with YouTube is it auto generates uh, closed captions if I'm not mistaken, but they can be hilariously not even true. There's yeah. sh- there should be an option, and I'm sure we can dig they, into this they, where you can turn things for Facebook. Yeah, I mean yeah. there should I, there should be an option. I'm sure we can dig into this if anybody ever feels you know the urge to go through this by all means you know there should be an option where we can turn it on that somebody can go through and actually subtitle the whole thing if they really feel like it yeah so definitely if you're doing that on youtube hit us up and let us know how that comes out too because i'm very interested in that because i mean video is something we've kind of talked about doing after the podcast maybe you know additionally with it should i say i mean obviously it's going to be a podcast first and foremost Mm -hmm. any of that other stuff i know takes way too much time and i just don't have it (laughs) But to sum it up, though, we're going to be kicking Robocon or closing Robocon down two o'clock. The DC Universe panel. Uh, I'm going to be on there with Brian Rhodes too, as well, with some other people talking Crisis on Infinite Earths. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should just jump into that now, oh, man. Because yeah. there's going to be some big news down at New York Comic Con, which you're going to. Oh my God, I'm so excited. We're going to be down there. The ODPH panel is. So Wizard Podcast is going to be down there. Our buddy Anime with RJ is going to be down there. If any other podcasts are going down to New York Comic Con, hit us up. Let us know. We might have some merch to hand off to you. But let's get into Crisis on Infinite Earths, shall we? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm so excited for Crisis on Infinite Earths. Like that, that was one of my favorite favorite books. Uh, getting into comics, both yeah. because like it really kind of opens your mind to a lot of stuff, like multiversal physics and like sure, just all of this grandiose cosmic stuff that is just amazing. But also like the sheer magnitude of characters that were in that story. Yeah. Like you guys are going to watch this, this crossover and you're like, wow, I can't believe they had that many heroes. Wow. It, it's like for but me, it's the cool, not even close. It's it's yeah. going to top so many things because for me, the coolest moment of any crossover they've done was mm-hmm. the uh, crisis on earth X 
the final episode where you had the shot of all the heroes in their costumes doing the you know the it's a little stereotypical dun, dun, slow walk dun, where they're dun, you know dramatic but dun, it was dun, 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 but dun, having dun, put dun, all these yeah. years in all this time into watching these shows and growing with these characters to see them all united together was awesome oh yeah there's going to be probably a dozen or more moments in these crossovers that are going to top that well the fact that they're tying in so much history yeah of the television side mm-hmm. of the dc mm-hmm. You, I mean, I'm not saying the streaming service. I'm saying the DC universe. Yeah. If you think about it, Smallville is now getting added, which uh, how? Well, uh, what's the name? Uh, Burt Ward from Burt Freaking Ward. Ward. Yeah. No, listen, listen. Burt Ward is going to be playing a Robin from a universe in which Batman died. Well, golly gee, Batman. That's. So heartbreaking because we yeah. obviously Adam West, you know yeah oh yeah piece. yeah and just oh my god it's such an amazing concept yeah. that they're doing there and I really I like I'll be mad if they don't do it but does anyone remember Robin from Earth Two? Mm, He's like a silver vaguely, age Robin, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. like a gray kind of bat suit yeah, thing going yeah, on yeah, with the yeah. yellow cape. And an R on his chest with bat wings. And oh, I got to yeah. say, it's his, probably his most terrible costume. But I swear to God, if they don't put Bird Ward in that, I will riot. They got to have some, like some, there's got to be some, like some fan art to make that happen right. down well, there. Well, and you bring up Bird Ward, Kevin Conroy, you know, Batman oh himself God, is going to be playing Conroy. Bruce Wayne. And uh, I will flip out if Matt Hamill is, Mark. or Mark. Mark Hamill, I'm sorry, if Mark Hamill is not the Joker. Mark Hamill has the potential of playing three different characters on this show. Yeah. yeah. The trickster, the other trickster, and the Joker. Yeah, how, yeah. how awesome is that? that He's I mean, down for it. Just with everybody involved. I mean, God, that's why I'm, like, I'm messing up my names here because there's so many characters involved and so many actors Linda and actresses. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but she's been on Supergirl before. so Right, but she'll be playing Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman. Right. And we're, we're, the rumor is, is that she, Brandon Ruth, and Kevin Conroy are going to be playing the uh, the Kingdom Come well, we know we know. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's been well reported that Brandon Routh is playing Kingdom Come Superman. Right, we know that. The other ones, I've, that oh, that'd be incredible. I could see Conroy being Kingdom Come Batman, and obviously Wonder Woman. Yeah, would would fit that yeah. timeline yeah. perfectly as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously one of the greatest stories in DC history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, what do you mean, Alex Ross? Was it? Yeah, Alex Mark, Ross, and Mark Wade. Yeah, I was about to say Mark Wade. Yeah, just hands down. Probably one of the best, yeah. best series out there. But, but, I mean, but then you get to probably the one I think people are most excited for. And and let's be honest, it's nice to have the show producer uh, Mark Guggenheim, I think is his name, mm-hmm. finally acknowledges that you know that you know bringing Tom Welling back as who of course played Clark Kent, small uh, Clark Kent and Superman on Smallville for ten years. Best then. Superman. Yeah, I mean they the Arrow, Flash, Legends, Supergirl, uh, Black Lightning. You know, none of them would be there had Smallville not had its 10-year run. Say what you will about the show. Well, had its ups, had its downs, yes. But had it not gone 10 years and had the success it did, mm-hmm. Arrow and all them would not be here. It's true. Oh, fully agreed. I Smallville mean, set that bar. Uh, Hawk got his superhero start on Smallville. He yeah. Was, he was Aquaman yeah. on that. Yeah. He was the one who was like, we should form a team called the Junior Lifeguards Association. Oh, is the JLL? Really? That- yeah. Okay. They even tried a uh, Aquaman spinoff for like one episode. Oh, that was bad. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. At, at one point years ago, you could get the first episode for free on iTunes. Like they wouldn't even charge you for it. Did you ever see the uh, the Justice League one episode thing? Yes. They, oh, 
That was amazing. God. That was amazing. <laughs> that was something. <laughs> it was something. I, I don't know. I don't know. Something. I don't think I have words for that one. But, but you know, both universes have their, yeah. their, their like we don't talk about that. Oh, of course. I mean, yeah. yeah. That that's the thing. Like, there's just so much history, good and bad. But yeah. you know, it it makes for us as fans. Like, this is such a payoff for us. It also feels like say, a love letter. Well, True. it does yeah. because to see where they've gone now. I mean, with Arrow being the forefront of, we'll just call it the Arrowverse. Yeah. And now it's it's taken its final bow. And whatever is going to be the transition into the Canary series that they're, yeah, they're talking. That. Yeah, which, I mean, I think <clears throat> they have to do something. Yeah. If they call it Birds of Prey and, like, move forward in that direction, maybe. Yeah, I was thinking that, but I'm like, you can't do that if you're doing the movie. Like, yeah. You, you, yeah. I mean, in a perfect world, you well, do. Well, you can. You know, well, I know that there's always been that kind of rough gray area the, between movie and the, film, the TV or and, TV and film. Rather. TV they and, need to stop. TV, I agree. Yeah, TV and film have always they've always had an interesting relationship. Oh, yeah. you can use the Suicide Squad and now you can't. Yeah. Movie and TV has just never meshed like for whatever reason, because I remember like when um, the Flash was announcing the ratings and they had the mm-hmm. highest season premiere at that time for CW. And then the Warner Brothers films announced that uh, Ezra <laughs> like Miller was playing hours later. Yeah. Barry Allen. And I know that the, the backlash about that and rightfully so was just tremendous. Right. It's just like, why would you just completely overshadow your success on TV? Like I understand TV and movies are two are apples and oranges, but still it's all produce. I mean, you still need them to just at least give me some information about Ed, Ezra Miller's flash at this point. Cause like the last, I, the last I heard uh, the director of it was now at the helm and it is not the Grant Morrison script or like whatever right. was going on with Grant Morrison is done. Yeah. The last I'd heard was it was up to like, uh, Ezra Miller was bringing somebody on to work a, with a work a script. Right. And Warner Brothers was going to look at it. And if they liked it, they were going to go through with it. And if they didn't, they were going to scrap the whole thing. And by the whole thing, I mean everything. Right. And yeah. recast, rewrite, redirector, everything. And the last I'd heard was they haven't exactly canned it yet. So, no, the, like I said, the last I heard, I, I can't, I'm blanking on the guy's name, but the director of it. Yes. was taking over the franchise. Like, he's doing something with Ezra Miller, and that was going to be the next phase. No timetable, no script, nothing. Just he was attached to the project, whoever that uh, – Pat's looking it up for me right now. So he was going to be working with that, and just tying it back, though, with Crisis, you, for what they've done, especially for TV and being you know considered you know the in the shadow of the movies, mm-hmm. they have established a working universe that has – definitely spawned off characters that you didn't think you were ever going to see on screen oh my god like i remember a year before uh uh one of the seasons of arrow someone was like what what random no b-listers hero would you ex- want to see like on the cw i'm like i was like wild dog yeah <laughs> right man those would be cool uh for reference director of it is uh andy muschetti thank you and then, you know, all of a sudden, yeah, they we get Wild Dog, yeah. and we get Ragman. Yeah. And, like, I never, ever, once, ever thought that Wild Dog would ever be on a TV show. I agree with ever. you. Ever. The fact they casted him, I was like, well, it makes... Ragman had a chance. Yeah, Ragman <laughs> did, but then, obviously, they, they decided to get rid of the character from the show. Right. And just kind of focus, which, I mean, I think that was one problem I had with Arrow, is, like, they got to be such a big team. Yeah. That it was just, like, you can't do that and just characters fall by the wayside Mm -hmm. like i think that that was a real problem they had with season six because that's when they were like building the super villain team 
to go against, right. you know, I, I just referred to them as the outsiders at that stage. Yeah. And it was just like characters got so lost in the shuffle. Then when they finally got down to Ricardo Diaz and Oliver Miller, sorry if I'm spoiling this for everybody, but it's been out for a few years. Yeah. You've been forewarned. So once they get into that, then that's when it really shined because that's when Stephen Amell was going against uh, Ricardo Diaz and just the, the actors are just bringing so much of that role mm-hmm. against each other. Like you could definitely sense what was going on. But it was cool to see, though, DC took a shot with characters like that because, yeah. I mean, it's for as obscure as Wild Dog is, so unless you know 1980s DC comics, you're like, who is this? I mean, it's just being honest. And then to think like what they wearing been, hockey pants. Yeah. <laughs> like just to see just to see the character. I mean, it was just so 80s DC. Like that's the easiest way to describe it. I love it. Yeah. It was, it's so amazing to see what they did with Legends of Tomorrow, too, which is American Doctor Who. You know, that's the one that I, I fell on the wayside on. But that not not because I didn't like it, just because it wasn't necessarily relevant to follow. Sure. Yeah. It, it's an acquired taste. Right. Like that's the easiest way to Bar say it. fights through history. Yeah, but I do love it that they made uh, Sarah Lance into such a relevant yeah, character. Yeah, because she's never had this run in the comics, mm-hmm. to my knowledge, and she was ar- arguably the best character on any show on the CW for like a good stretch of time. This past season, though, I mean, it, the take they took with it was a little different, and, yeah. and where they're setting up for it now, they've already announced certain characters are leaving the show. Yeah, right? obviously. I mean, like, they're all leaving the show at this point. There's only eight episodes set up for the next season. Yeah, and then depends on what happens after that, they're going right. to transition to something else. Right. So let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. What character would you like to see get a show on the CW DC Universe? Okay, well, honestly, I think that they should give the elongated man a spinoff. Okay. Okay. Because I want to see, you know, Ralph and Sue detectives at large, right? Yeah. That'd be a great, great series. I think, um, as for like, I, I think they should really try and do a live action static shock. I agree. Yeah. I think they could. But the problem is that we've already got a black lightning thing. going. Yeah. Yeah. It have to be something else. Right. See, what I would like to see is... Because you're just double dealing at that Yeah. Point. If they were going to keep, because I don't think they're going to, mm-hmm. but they were going to keep Black Lightning's universe separate, I wanted to see that be the Milestone universe. Oh, that'd be cool. That's what I want right. to see. Bring see hardware icon. and icon. Oh, my God, hardware. That's what I wanted yeah. to see with that. Actually, I uh, came across um, the second issue of Static Shock today oh. at work with the origin of Static. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things about um, working working with comics is that you know every time someone brings in their stuff like regardless of whether it's just like 99 cent bundles junk or you know like that key issue it's always great i love i love going through comics whether or not they're you know worth hundreds of dollars or just you know just there's just so many great stories that there really are that you can just lose yourself in Mm -hmm. I mean, Milestone always had a great line of comics that it's true. that I think would you know translate great on the CW or any network that wants to take them. Like I think Hardware and Icon. I find that DC is still having a problem trying to integrate those characters in. Now I know they've successfully done it on, uh, on uh, Young Justice. Right. Rocket is more prevalent, and then of course they've got Malcolm. Uh, is it is his name Harold? Was that was that his character? I want to say yes. Yeah. I'm blanking on it right Mal, now. Mal Duncan. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, Static has appeared once or twice 
and Icon has definitely been standing there with the league. So they're they're trying to do something with them, but it's taking too long. Now, now they've got a new character out, right? By Brian Michael Bendis and oh god, who was the artist? I can't remember the artist. Naomi. Naomi, right? Who today has appeared in Action Comics 1015. Okay. So she's canon to the universe now. Yeah. And I feel like we could probably use Naomi as the launching board to bring the Milestone characters back into the DC universe and give them something more concrete to work off of. That would be amazing. Right? Yeah. I'd be all for it. But uh, again, um, you know, Action Comics 1015 out on shelves today. Stop by Shangaran, pick up all the comics you want. There, we got tons of them. Uh, this is when I've decided to make my plug. <laughs> it's all good. And, uh, you know, if you sign up for a pull list, you can get 15% off of all your new books. And uh, you get to talk to me. And that's that's worth it alone, too, because we do <laughs> share your, your – every Wednesday, we do share your, your video. And I appreciate that. Too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, we truly appreciate you down here on the ODPH. In fact, we're going to go into a little bonus – one shot segment. So let's throw in a quick sounder. You are listening to the ODPH. Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys. Coming back on another segment of the ODPH, getting back to talking crisis on infinite earths because, hey, we didn't even hit the biggest news of the week. Of course, we mentioned in the last segment that Tom Welling is returning to play Superman. Woo! Somebody save me. Hope. Awesome theme song. Did not enjoy the tease in the last season crossover, and I didn't get Tom Welling. Oh, my God. I was so mad about that. I was mad, but but then I was like, hey, you know what? They at least gave me the farm. Right. We got the house. We got the We got the house. That That was good. But... Of course, Tom Welling is reprising his role as Superman. Hopefully, he wears the suit this time for more He's than... He's got to. For more, than 15, for more than 15 seconds. Dude, that guy's jacked the, these uh-huh. days, though. Have you seen yeah, him? Yeah, he's ripped. Yes. Oh, my God. He's, like, been preparing for this since the show ended. Yeah. So, of course, Tom Welling's reprising his role. Uh, I know uh, Lana, Kristen Kruk, was asked about this, and she said, hey, I'm appreciative people are asking about me and that people still show love for the show all mm-hmm. these years later. Mm-hmm. If they approach me, I'm willing to do it. No word yet if she's going to be on it, but hey, she said she's willing to do it. I don't think anyone asked Allison Mack. No. <laughs> no. No. And if you're not sure what we're talking about, Google it. <laughs> yeah. We don't have time for that. Subject. No. 3FN has covered that, but we are not covering that. But so one of the big stories that came out this week was Erica Durant's Lois Lane is also coming back. Yes. As Lo- did, coming I, back. did I see they said recurring role? Uh, I'm not. Enti- I'm looking at an article here from Deadline. Uh, multi- it just says that she's going to appear as Lois Lane in multiple episodes of the Five Night event. Okay, well, they they need to be more specific when they say yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, because I'm like recurring role. Yeah, what do you mean recurring role? But yep. Yeah. Yeah. So you got Erica Durant coming back as Lois Lane, but then the big news that everyone's been wondering about, myself included, the greatest Lex Luthor of all time. Fight me on that one. Of mm-hmm. all time. Of all time, Michael Rosenbaum. Who Michael played, Rosenbaum, who played Lex for not all seasons, but I want to say it was like eight or nine, something like that. Uh, tweeted out yesterday on the twenty fourth as we record. So he said, "Here you go," and then it was a screenshot of what, of a longer thing because hey, this couldn't all fit in one tweet. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, "Friends, many of you have tweeted and asked me about joining the Infinite Crossover. I can't tell you how much this means to me. I'll just be straight up about this. WB called my agents Friday afternoon when I was in Florida visiting my grandfather in a nursing home. Their offer: no script, no idea what I'm doing, no idea when I'm shooting, 
basically no money. And the real kick in the ass, quote, we have to know now. My simple answer was pass. I think you can understand why. I hope this answers all of your questions. Lovingly, Rosenbaum. See, I think he's going to wind up coming back. I think he's just trolling right now. Yeah, so initially, because this came across my Twitter feed a couple times, and initially it was like a uh, punch in the gut. Like, oh. Like, I feel like you need to have Rosenbaum because, to me, he's the best best Lex Luthor. He's the equal mix of cunning and evil, but at the same time, he can sweet-talk you. I mean, like, is it too out of character for a Lex Luthor to hold out for more money? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll give you that. I mean, That's let's perfect. Not, let's not forget this is the Lex Luthor who, in the season one finale of Smallville, when his father was staring down a very sharp point of a wooden column, was really mulling it over if he was going to save his father. I mean, in season one, like that's Lex to a T. Though. I get it. Yeah. Have, have you met Lionel? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, but although I will say this, um, I found it hilarious uh, in when watching Shazam to see him yeah. uh, show up as the father of the other mm-hmm. world's evilest, baldest, craziest super scientist. Yeah. Yeah, so as we record, if you believe Rosenbaum, he's not going to be in it. But I, I, you know, so for me, initially, it was a punch in the gut. I think this just might be negotiating through I the saw, press. Didn't they Didn't they announce that principal shooting started today for that? Well, so the, I thought so. I'm not sure about that, but the, so the kicker for me, this for me is, and I think he may just be like pontificating mm-hmm. or kind of blowing smoke to right. kind of throw it off the trail. He got a little specific about when he found out about this. Right. And then the other thing of it is no script, no idea what I'm doing. The scripts exist. I, I forget who it was. I think it might have been the producer, Mark Guggenheim, at one point put out a photo where it was a script for all of the shows right. that were sitting there. Now, it, you couldn't tell what it was. You couldn't tell what the episode titles were, but you had the logos and, it, you know, inf- Crisis on Infinite Earths. The scripts exist. So I got a feeling this might be Rosenbaum just pontificating. Well, you know, arguably, we don't know when he was approached. Right. right? We just know right. that he has announced that right. he was approached. Right. So, you know, this could have been any time yeah. in the last year or so when his grandfather was in a nursing home. Yeah. Which could also lead into the reason why he may have reacted so adversely to the offers because, like, he was, at the time, engaged with something personal, yeah. f- uh, familial. Yeah. And then, you know, here comes DC, like... Hey, man, we need you for a thing. Right. We're not going to offer you as much money as you probably deserve. Yeah. Especially considering, like, the fan reaction. Well, and and especially the fans love him so much. And I know the reason he left Smallville initially was because he hated being bald for, like, eight months out of the year in Vancouver, Canada. I get that. I totally get it. Mm. Understandable. That's why he left for a couple seasons. But, hey, they brought him back. I wouldn't imagine this would take a whole lot of time. I mean, like. He could just wear a hat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would be the I easiest mean, they, thing. There's I mean, ways the way around with, it. The way with filming these days is is filming world's smartest man. You know, can't filming, figure out hats. Yes, there is still uh, classic filming where it's on film, but by and large, a lot of filming is done digitally now. Right. You can bring him in for a week, two weeks, however long it would be. Film all his stuff then and just go, all right, you're good. Thanks. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I think it's going to wind up doing it eventually. Like, yeah. that's, that's going to happen. Yeah. So. I mean, anything is to guess. And, and like I said, the Allison Mack thing, I know 3FN, I'm just talking with Rich right now on the phone. They did cover it about a year ago. Okay. So if anybody yeah. really wants to go, go through their backlog and do it because I mean, yeah. they do an awesome podcast yeah. too. But, I mean, that's just the thing with Crisis, so getting back to that, is 
Rosenbaum, I think, is playing the long game. Yeah. He's definitely not in a situation like Marvel and Sony and right. you know, characters right. can't come on the show. Right. He's definitely just waiting it out. And I think it's just to be a bigger surprise for everybody because I don't, I just can't see him with Tom Welling coming back. I can't see him sitting on the well, sidelines. And as close as those two still are all these years oh later. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, uh, I went to AwesomeCon yeah. um, two years ago and they were there together. I actually yeah. saw Michael Rosenbaum yeah. for like all of three seconds when he ducked. When he like snuck out from behind the curtain, was like, "Hey guys, how's it going?" And well, and, like, and, his, and his friendly is both he, Tom Welling, are with uh, Stephen Amell. Yes. Like you can't tell me that Dude, Tom Amell Welling's w- been hanging out with Stephen Amell for the last year. Yeah, so you can't tell me that like Amell doesn't see this. Put in a phone call and go, "Don't listen. What do you want? I'll get it taken care of." Yeah, so it's it's all about a matter of time. But I think by the time we get to Crisis on screen, he'll be in there, and him, right. John yeah. Cryer, yeah. just yeah. wait for that. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much going on with. I mean, yeah, last time we saw Cryer was he was taken by the uh, the monitor. monitor. Yeah, yeah. So you know he's coming back. So I mean anything is possible. I mean that's a that's a great thing about when they're doing just these big crossovers. And I mean you t- you take the flip side to Marvel. Yeah. And what they did with Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. And now with Phase Four and everything coming out, especially the news that broke today. Yeah. That Ghost Rider no longer going to Hulu. Oh yeah. 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 So, so it was announced back in May that uh, Hulu had picked up two new live action series from Disney, right. uh, specifically Marvel Television, because as some of you may know, some of you may not, uh, when Disney acquired Fox, they acquired Fox's uh, stake in Hulu. Uh, I believe it was NBC or somebody else pulled out of there. So now Disney is the primary shareholder of Hulu. So it's just another way for them to put out content that might not be exactly friendly for Disney Plus. Well, considering uh, that they already just came out and said yeah. there would be no rated R movies yeah. on Disney Plus. So they pick, they announced back in May that they were picking up a Ghost Rider and a Hellstorm uh, television series that would premiere in 2020. Uh, Deadline is reporting today that, quote, Hulu has opted not to proceed with Marvel's Ghost Rider. Uh, it's planned live action series starring Gabriel Luna, who, of course, played Ro- the Robbie Reyes version of Ghost Rider back on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Mm-hmm. Now, the details that came out are it's a little maybe a little hearsay, maybe a little suspect because there's no firm details. All that was said was that there was a creative difference between the folks at Hulu and the folks on the show and that it led to this basically point where none of them could agree. Mm-hmm. And, and Hulu just opted. You know what? We're done with the show. Moving on from it. Yeah. But if he's going to wind up making his appearance on the big screen. Right. Because that's the thing is. is So some folks uh, we at the show follow on Twitter were saying is, you know, one person said, quote, so regarding this Ghost Rider thing, there's bad news, good news and crappy news. Bad news. No Ghost Rider show on Hulu. Good news. This definitely confirms all the the quote. Feige wants a Ghost Rider film whispers going around lately. And there have been whispers that, that oh, he yeah, wants it's... a Ghost Rider film. I mean, I know at one point there were some pretty heavy whispers that there was going to be a Ghost Rider film that would not entail uh, the Robbie Reyes version, but would, in fact, pertail Johnny uh, Blaze. Johnny Blaze. And he says the crappy news is it won't be Robbie Reyes. It'll be Johnny Blaze. And I've seen is that some... really crappy, though? Yeah, well, depending on who they get, you know, I yeah. would say not. No, it won't be Nicolas Cage. You stop that right now, Ken. Oh, but my skull's on fire. But, I mean, I know I saw it thrown around. But it's on fire. And I, like we said in, the, in another segment, I know he's thrown around for everything that has a male lead. Uh, I saw a photo of this gentleman on a motorcycle, and I kind of want it to happen. Keanu Reeves as uh, Johnny Blaze. Oh, man. I mean, it would be he great. You could pull it off. I, Keanu Reeves have to be everybody, though. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, for me, I'm still holding out Norman Reedus is going to wind up being Johnny Blaze. See, that one, that one I would give you. Yeah, see, like yeah. that I think would make a lot more sense. That one I would get, and I'd be okay with it. Mm-hmm. But I think it just depends on when this movie comes, if they are, in fact, going forward with a movie, comes out, and whether or not 
he's still on Walking Dead because that still takes up a lot of time. Right. Well, you know, if they cancel Walking Dead, he's just going to go over to Fear. Yeah. Yeah. That could be. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what they want to do to the direction. I mean, when the book got canceled, like out of yeah. nowhere, yeah. too. That was ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, my God. That I must got, have made it a headache for you guys. I got lucky on that one because um, I found out really early, like early on that this was like just going to be the surprise ending of the book. So I just I went ahead and reordered a bunch for the store. Uh, got super lucky for that one. But, oh, my God, that was just unreal. Yeah. yeah. Just the fact of sudden and out of nowhere and mm-hmm. nowhere I'm a reason, especially they announced the third show coming out. Yeah. Right. Which is like, well, you're killing your source material. It, so Well, they killed their source material a long time Yeah, they, they've yeah. gone off the rails. Yeah. Like for where, yeah. for like if you were following the books, it's... it's well, yeah, yeah, if the comics are nothing like the books. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if you're a tradi- in any sense of the word. If you're a traditionalist and you want to see a perfect adaptation from book to screen, you're not getting that. Yeah. But you're not getting that with the MCU either. No. So. No, definitely not. I mean, to see where they've gone with some of their storylines, I mean, even Avengers Endgame. I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of impressed with the CW. Because at first, there's a lot of stuff that you're just like, well, that's not accurate to the comics. That's not accurate to the comics. But then, like, by the time we got to Arrow Season 7, you're just like, okay. Yeah. Okay, so Black Canary, right? Mm, Sure. In the comics is not original to Earth 1. No. Right. right? She's from Earth 2. Right. She she came up with the JSA. So, you know, in, in the show, they introduced Laurel Lance as, like, one of Ali's ex-girlfriends who he cheated on with him, yeah. her sister, etc. But that's not that's not how she came to be. That's not canon. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But by season seven, we have an alternate universe, mm-hmm. Laurel Lance, who identifies as Dinah. Yeah. Which is her original name. And like they they, they did it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Full circle. They got to the point where they're they're doing the stuff from the original comics, and I thought it was really cool how they got there, right? So, you know, it's not necessarily – you don't have to be accurate to the source. Sure. As long as the spirit of the story remains. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they can tie it in any way, way they want to as long as it comes off well, and, right. then, yeah. and that's the yeah. biggest thing. Right. So for DC, they've done a great job with it on the CW. For Marvel, mm-hmm. they can definitely do the same thing. And for right. The Walking Dead, I mean, anything's up in the air, too. Yeah. I mean, for all the different directions they're going in, and I know the ratings have slipped a little bit sure. over the years, but it's only there's so much you can do in that universe per se. Right. And I would say it's almost impossible to keep ratings at the high they were for a solid 10 years. Yeah, that's just yeah. unreal. Yeah, yeah. It's that's unrealistic. Like, like there were there were certain points. I remember back in 2010, 2011, where they were on par, if not beating Sunday Night Football. Yeah, which is real hard to do. Oh, absolutely. But to see, I don't know. These days, though, uh, like, there is that football is taking its own beating. But we're here to talk about nerd stuff. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're not here for sports ball. No, that was yesterday. <laughs> Today, we were all about the nerd life. But to see where Walking Dead is kind of gone, and and to see if the other shows can sustain because eventually as the stars are leaving the, the major show, the yeah. flagship show, yeah. uh-huh. it's going to be a weird transition period. Yeah. Can the newer stories and the newer actors carry it further? It's a good question. I mean, it's anybody's guess, but I mean, yeah. you, you can also say the same thing for the MCU. I guess we'll give you like a little small preview of our panel for Saturday with the MCU now going in with stage four. Right. Yeah. And there's so much uncertainty going on. And Justin, actually, I really wanted to ask you your opinion on this. The Eternals. Do you think it's going to be hit or miss? Oh, dude, I think, I think the Eternals is going to be amazing. Really? Okay. Okay. So, 
I made the mistake of reading Infinity Gauntlet before watching Infinity War. Okay. Okay. Because obviously the the story is nothing nothing alike. Yeah. I mean, the only common element is that big purple guy got Grimace. <laughs> yeah, Grimace got the 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 glove of infinite wishes, but um. The problem that I had, my, my biggest problem with Infinity War and subsequently Endgame is how low tier it was compared to sure. the origins, compared to its source material. Sure. There's so much cosmic stuff happening in the original story. Mephesto, the devil himself, is Thanos's like grand vizier, if you yeah. will. Yeah. Like, Thanos turns into eternity which got teased in guardians 2 mm-hmm. right like i see eternity um eternity being you know the anthropomorphic like personification of the universe and like the lords of chaos and order you know the living tribunal galactus all these major players were just nowhere to be found but the eternals the eternals movie is going to do something that i don't think the 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 people who have been engaged in the MCU were ever really going to expect because the Eternals, right? They are, for the lack of a better word, the new gods of Marvel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, but not the same tier, right? The new gods in DC are, they're gods, right? They're god-level. Right. They, they exist outside of the multiverse, right? They live on the plane of the gods. Whereas the Eternals are angels super angels if you will they they are the angels of these giant unknowable beings called the celestials who are directly responsible for not just life in the universe but superpowers Mm. and the eternals themselves have been mistaken for gods our gods um mokari Mm -hmm. is the egyptian god horus um thena is Athena or Minerva, depending on your interpretation. Uh, uh, Icarus and Zeus, or whatever his name is, like they are from our mythology, but we as humans did not perceive them as eternals. We didn't see them as angels. We didn't see them as alien beings. We saw them as gods. Mm. They're part of our history, whether we know it or not, or at least the MCU knows it or not. And I think that this movie is going to just like blow people away, both in its storytelling, both in just how much bigger this universe is going to get. Because, yeah, everyone's talking about Steve, uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Sure. But we already know that the villain for that is going to be Nightmare. Yes. Yeah. So everything that happens is basically a dream sequence, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas the Eternals, that's happening. Right, that that that's gonna affect the world in so many crazy ways. Um, in a recent run of the Avengers, we found out that a celestial came to Earth and was killed by both this virus that had infected it, but also by the one million BC Avengers, right? Who comprise of Odin and the original Phoenix and the original uh, um, Iron Fist and the original. Uh, Black Panther, the original Ghost Rider, the original Star Brand, Agamotto himself, mm. like the guy who made the eye, you know? Yeah. And just this 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 movie is just gonna be off the charts. Like no one's really gonna know how to process it. 
I think. I think. I'm, I'm building it up a lot. I think probably because I'm a huge fan of Jack Kirby's work in general. See, I love his work, but I think New Gods is going to be so much better. Well, that's because New Gods is, is the better. original. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's not even a matter of, like, which came first. It's just the New Gods is a better story than the Eternals. And, like, that's knowing that, you know, they have the same creator. They have the same author. You know, Jack Kirby is the creator of both stories but just you know the the new gods and their story and the gods of apocalypse and dark side and high father and their origin and like even even like dark side's promethean twist to his origin how he stole power from the gods by turning them against each other the old gods mm-hmm. and how uh you know high father to save the universe took on the power of the God of light and you know, the, the whole like source wall, like there's so much more to the mythos of the new gods that it's impossible for the Eternals to be better. Yeah. And that's mostly because they kind of lean on this whole, the celestials are unknowable. Right. Right. So is the source, but we also know that this, we are the source. Yeah. You know, and that that's really what I love about these cosmic s- stories is that it's it's more about us than we think. Well, it Cause, really because we're the creators. Yeah, it delves into we're the audience. It it delves into so much of like you know I don't want to say crossing the fourth wall, but it yeah. kind of does. Mm-hmm. Just there's just so much connections they can do, and I mean for me like Eternals, I I just I look at it and I'm going. I just don't see how it's going to happen mm-hmm. for me right now because I mean I thought the Kit Harrington casting, I thought they're wasting him on on the Black Knight, and I right, I but will this lo- could easily spin off into an actual Black Black Knight movie. It could. I just like I just don't know what to think of it because I just I just remember the Black Knight and Cersei romance from the Avengers in the late eighties, yeah. early nineties, and I'm just like, all right, I guess if you want to tie it in there, but I thought like for him is like he'd be perfect as Wolverine. I hear that. I hear that. Yeah. So, but I'm just, I'm just very interested to see what they're going to do with. It. I know this cast is very diverse, and I love the diversity they, they're mm-hmm. doing and portraying with these characters. So I'm just really waiting to see how they translate. Well, I, for those of you who like to read uh, comic books instead of just watch them on the big screen, like me, um, <laughs> I highly recommend uh, Neil Gaiman's The Eternals mm-hmm. because he does his own take on The Eternals. Um, did it recently, sometime in the last ten years, I think. I want to say around like twenty ten. Yeah. I want to say, don't quote me on that, folks. And it's it's not only fantastic, but I'm pretty sure they're going to be taking a lot of their source information from that series. So you know, if you want to, if you want a nice little sneak peek into into what the MCU has in store for you, I I recommend checking out The Eternals by Neil Gaiman. And Shang Chi, Ten Rings, dude, dude. I'm so stoked for the Ten Rings, man. Like, first off, I love Simu Lau. I think he's a great actor. I, I, I've seen him on um, Kim's Convenience, which yeah. is a fun, fun uh, Canadian sitcom about a uh, uh, naturalized Korean family living in Canada, running their own convenience shop. And Simu Lau plays the eldest son on the show who, you know... He's kind of like a prodigal son. He left because there was like a falling out between him, him, him and his father, and uh, he's just he's just really fun and kind of jockey on it, I mm-hmm. would say. But I'm really excited for him because you know he went from like such a small first time acting gig to 
freaking master of kung fu, man. Like, that's just so cool. And I love, I love, I love that they have taken the Mandarin and put him in a story that I think he more belongs in because, like, if it's, you know, against Iron Man, it comes off as, you know. Yeah, it, it just. It's problematic these days. Yeah. Yeah, Iron but, Man's got a lot going on. Right, right. Whereas, um, you know, Master of Kung Fu versus the Mandarin, that's just, that's obvious. I mm. mean, that's about as obvious as uh, uh, recently they put out in uh, Moon Knight Annual. Yeah. Where it was Moon Knight versus um, Kang the Time Conqueror, which is not something that you would think would be a good matchup, but then you're like, they're both Egyptian in their origin. Yeah, nature. So, yeah, right. it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Right. It just depends on what interpretation you get from Moon Knight. Exactly. Yeah, so, because he's going to be a tricky character when they pull him off. Oh, oh, man. Now, that's the one I'm hoping they get Keanu Reeves for. See, oh. I'm, I'm saying as as a complete Dark Horse candidate, Arnie Hammer. What if everyone in the MCU was Keanu Reeves? Uh, you just imagine that That'd universe. Be awesome. That'd be awesome. Just everybody. There's like, you know, 617. You're breathtaking. Yeah. You're breathtaking. Half of you are breathtaking. Yeah. <laughs> that would be so epic. So, so epic. Man, we have been talking for a while now. We have. Yeah. De- definitely. So have I beat the record yet? Okay. Uh, it wasn't uh, intentional. I can just talk comics all day. No, we appreciate it. No, that. yeah, you, you have. Uh, just a couple of other quick things that are worth mentioning. Uh, PlayStation had their uh, state of play uh, live stream the other day, where they kind of it's kind of like Nintendo has their Nintendo Direct right, stream yeah. where they show off their games. PlayStation's kind of adapted the same thing. Nothing major out of it. I mean, a couple of VR games that got announced. Uh, their PlayStation Plus lineup for October got announced, and I would say it's arguably the best one they've ever had. Uh, the games that will be available if you have PlayStation Plus, you will get these for free if you choose to download them. MLB 19, the show, okay. uh, right in time for October. October right baseball, playoff right baseball, and then uh, the remastered version of The Last of Us One. Because as they showed off in the, the right at the end, uh, they showed off a trailer for the the new Last of Us Part Two video game, and they finally gave a release date. Uh, the game is coming out on February twenty first of twenty twenty. So you got time. They're putting out the first one uh, next month as we record. So if you haven't played it before, get on it, play it. It's amazing. You big into video games, Justin? Uh, you know, I I. I I play some stuff. I mean, I just got the uh, the new Legend of Zelda remaster, oh, uh, Link's Awakening. I've heard that's good. It's so good. It's it's a perfect remaster of the game. And obviously, uh, I bought it at Soundgaround. Of course, <laughs> cheap plug, but hey, keep them coming. Uh, we you know we got video game deals all the time, and you know, it's not just comics. It's not just video games. We got music. We got movies. We got gaming supplies. We got toys, and we're always buying stuff too. Yeah. So you know. If you if you got some cool collectibles and you think that uh, you don't need them anymore in your life and yeah. you want to get some extra cash or even some store credit, which is good for anything in the store, uh, come on down to Sound Around and we'll see what we can do for you. Otherwise, you know we got tons of stuff. Yeah. Man. we got new comics every single week. Yeah, yeah, and uh, just I've, the experience going in. Right, that's that's oh my the god because you run into more people and everybody. Oh my god, no matter where you are in the store, I mean, you just start talking with people. And I, just the really fandoms do. just yeah I no, really do I'm 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 kind of a I'm a I'm a chatterbox honestly like if if you get me going on something I'll just I'll 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 just keep going and I'll never stop Yeah but you know <laughs> that's that's not a bad thing because I know for me like growing up and I always used to hang out at other comic shops mm-hmm. 
And it was always the experience going in because everybody's like, well, what do you read comics? It's like you make your friends down there. You talk to people yeah. about your fandoms. And you know what? Nobody's going, oh, it's nerdy and all geeky. No, it's like it's normal. It's like what I consider normal. I think yeah. everybody else is geeky. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing about it. So when you go to SGR, it's like the same vibe. Well, we try we try to make it like a community. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like it's you guys aren't just customers, right? Sure. Mm. You're, you're our patrons. You're our friends. You're the people that, you know we see almost every week or in some cases day, man. And like, if it weren't for you guys, then we wouldn't have the jobs that we have. We wouldn't have the ability to do what we love. I mean, like I know, I know for a fact that I could be making more money doing something else that I hate, Mm. but I love, I love working on a comic book store. I love my customers. I love the product that I'm selling. Like everything about this job just, makes me happy you know and that's awesome and especially the people that i get to talk to especially the the customers that come in every week to get their new comics and just talk about stuff and like go off on these crazy tangents about like the the nature of superheroing and um you know just everything i love it i love it so much yeah that's awesome i mean that's the whole thing about going to shows and like even like we talk about con season coming up that's the whole thing you go to cons for oh my god the fandom interaction you get is priceless i actually just came back from a con um you're your listeners might get a nice little chuckle out of this, but uh, I, I just came back from uh, the the final BronyCon down in Baltimore. It's the it's a My Little Pony convention, um, and it's been happening happening down in Baltimore for for years for years about six years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, this year was the final final um, year that they were holding it because the show uh, is getting canceled and uh, the, the costs and stuff, but. Um, Man, the people the people that I met there are just some of the most genuine and fun people that I've ever ever had the great experience of meeting and you know that that happens at almost every con but the in this case uh, it it it's designed to happen. Mm. That's just because you know it's it's a con based on, you know, friendship. Yeah. Right? And the magic thereof. And but it 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 relates to everything else, man, like I don't think I've ever gone to a convention where I haven't made a new friend that, you know, is dear to me mm-hmm. at this point, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's, and that's the best part. That's the whole thing about going down there is you make friends, you make those big connections yeah. where like, even you're standing in line for autographs. Like, I right. mean, I've gone down to New York comic con and made a ton of new friends, just talking comics in line. And just the most random conversations. And a lot of them are now listeners of the show. So we have, like, yeah. that interaction on social media. And, like, for me, I'm more excited about going down and meeting some of the other podcasts we're going to meet down in New York. I mean, for me, that's, like, the bonus of going. Oh, yeah. Let alone yeah. just being the fans and going yeah. to get autographs and yeah. meeting my favorite writers and artists and just saying thank you. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just yeah. those kind of connections we have. Like, every year I've gone, I've been lucky enough to go meet Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. Yeah. And that is my Batman run. And I mark out like every time I saw him. In fact, the I first. I recommend going and meeting Tinian this year because yes. his line is going to be crazy next year. Yeah. I want to go. I definitely want to try meeting him. And it's probably going to be crazy this year because he's been writing Justice League, Justice League Dark. And, you know, he just got put on Batman uh, after Tom King. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, I, I just can't wait to see his run because, like, for me, Snyder and Capullo's run has been like my Batman. Right. Like, that is my basis, right. my. my my common denominator, like whatever my benchmark is. King has been great because like for Snyder and Capullo, they put the fear in the bat. Mm-hmm. King has put the man back in the bat. Oh, yeah. 
Definitely. I can't wait to see what Tynan does. Listen, um, Snyder created the Batman Who Laughs, mm-hmm. but James wrote it. Yeah. Like, that first issue. Oh, my God. So insane. Yeah. So insane. We were giving that away out uh, for Batman Day last yeah. weekend. And I, I sat down, got a chance to reread it, because obviously I'm not going to crack up, but open my original copy, because that one's worth 10 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's going to be a big collector's item. Yeah. That's probably the biggest yeah. villain they've yeah. had come out in DC in a couple of years. It's yeah. true. Easy. Yeah. It's Easy. True. Yeah. Yeah, uh, just a couple other things to mention. Uh, I know I mentioned it to a friend I would mention this, but for Pokemon Go players, you are very excited because they just un- un- unloaded, uploaded, whatever you want to say, uh, the latest generation into the game, keeping yes. that game keeping that game going strong. I know there's a lot of people still going out and playing at the various areas around the around the, the 607 area. Still a lot of fun. I play with my girlfriend. We have a lot of fun doing it. So definitely something to look forward to. Also, tonight as we record, my favorite comedy of all time returns to television, uh, 10 o'clock on FXX. That is, it's... Oh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Season yes. season fourteen, the gang is back. I need these degenerates in my life. And if the you gang think I'm back in town, if you think I'm being offensive with that phrase, you have not seen the show. Nope. No, that show is one of a kind. The show is amazing. Uh, I know the cast did a great interview on Entertainment Weekly, which I highly recommend uh, you go read because they give you some teases about what's coming this season. Uh, the only one I will mention: Dolph Lundgren's coming this season. Uh, he's going to be Enough playing. Said. He's going to be playing a character <laughs> named Thundergun, which is an obscure reference to like one episode back in like season seven or something yep. for a movie that was getting filmed that they never showed in the episode. So yeah. Dolph Lundgren showing up—that's enough. So, like I said, season fourteen premieres tonight on FXX, ten o'clock, or wherever you are living. Check your local listings. You can't go wrong with that. No, Sonny is so good. Danny DeVito. Mm-hmm. Enough said. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Glenn Howerton, though. Yeah? Oh, my God. Yeah? The whole cast. Yeah. The whole cast. It's it's top that's the one thing I love about the interview they do with Entertainment Weekly, though, is they, is they bring up, you know, Dia and just how much the, the entire gang rags on her. And just, you know, they call her a bird all the time. And she she laughs when they bring up, you know, everything the cast does to her. And she's like, yeah, Dee should be dead like seven times over by now. <laughs> yeah. It, it's... It's a one-of-a-kind TV show. Yeah. That's that's really all you could say about it, but it's mm-hmm. so good. I did The thing I also did love about the interview was they said probably the, their favorite thing about fans who come up to them is they love fans who come up to them. They say they love the show. Their favorite thing is when people say, oh, I've been watching the show since the beginning. And, and they know what the ratings were in seasons, like the first four or five seasons where they were almost canceled. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we know that's total crap. We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have been on the verge of getting canceled if you were watching at the beginning. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah. So... <laughs> You can't go wrong with that. No, I mean, absolutely not. Yeah. So before we close out, Justin, do you have any shout-outs, any place we can find you on the web? Let our listeners know. Oh, yeah. Um, you can catch me on uh, the Soundground Facebook every Wednesday at about 3.30 for the new comics update. Uh, you can follow me on um, Facebook at Just Incredible Cosplay and on Instagram at Just Incredible underscore cosplay. And uh, I didn't talk about her much today, which is unfortunate because she's my better half and my cosplay partner in crime. Uh, you can also find my fiance Chrissy Thulu, or I'm sorry, Crisis Cosplay on um, Facebook and I believe on Instagram as well. And you know, if you guys ever want to talk comics and or cosplay or whatever, I am always available at uh, Sound Around during the day. And if you want to sign up for any uh, any comics in the future, definitely come down. More than happy to pull those for you. And just I've had a really, really fun time talking with you guys this afternoon. Yeah, Dude, this has been, been so much fun. Really great. 
Yeah, you got to um, come back. I know when we do Costtober, yeah. we got to have you come down, and yeah, Chrissy absolutely. wants to come down too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. No, she she, re- she was really, really looking forward to doing something like that. Yeah, absolutely, because, yeah. I mean, we try filling up October with cosplayers. Yeah. And, and just, just talk the whole experience so we can make that happen. And anytime you want to come down, we're leaving a chair open for you. All right. Yeah. yeah, these yeah, this was a fun episode. I know yeah. we went exercise, uh-huh. but you know when the content is great, like today's show was. I mean, this has just been fun. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. Then, like honestly, I'm wrapping it up just because I know we're near the two hour mark. And mm-hmm. thank you so much for still listening because we do appreciate <laughs> that. Usually we go about an hour over past two hours. Uh huh. Oh. See, I don't even look at time because when it's that good, I just yes. blew that record out of the water. No, like, nobody tell Moose. Yeah, nobody tell Johnny Moose I'm or, or tell George Johnny Moose. Yeah, yeah, we, we're we're gonna just not share. You know, they're gonna read the timestamp and they got yeah but this has been a really fun episode justin thank you so much for coming on and we're definitely going to check you out at robocon this weekend yes september 28th 29th robocon.org if you're cosplaying after you get your picture done by our fellow associate mike blakesley who's going to be running around our fellow badge sponsor i love mike yeah mike's such a good dude uh definitely swing by the cosplay contest justin's gonna be the judge there so Uh, host host host, oh host host host. i keep on thinking judge for some reason no 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 no, but if you want, I, I'm not. I'm not a judgmental type. No, no. Nah. But he's going to host it. It's going to be an awesome time. So if you can make it to that panel or contest, rather get down there. If you can make it to our panel, it's going to be awesome. If you can make it to three FN, they are going to put on a hell of a show. Mm, I'm telling yeah. you, the mm. eleven to one o'clock time frame Saturday morning is going to be the one you want to get down to, because like I say, three FN is going to come and deliver it. And like I said, if you want to find out more about Allison Mack, Diesel covered the entire situation. <laughs> like I said, if I was laughing during it, because if you have never heard 3FN, what are you waiting for? Check them out. You can find their link on our friends or hashtag 607 podcast section of OchoDoraParleyHour.com. We also have the Parlay Points where you can find the comics blog. Brian Rhodes writes that yep. um, every week. He's dropping something. You can find the complimentary blogs. You can find our friends of the show on hashtag 607podcast and the music section because you can find Floodland, Shout of the Robots, Honker, um, Walking Distance. I'm trying to think of their Fair City Fire, of course. Yeah. You can find all the music you hear on the show too. It's all one-stop shop, OchoDoraParleyHour.com. And it'll tell you where we're doing too, because I mean, like I said, Robocon, and then we're heading to NYCC yep. the following week. Plus, you know, the shows at Galaxy Brewing and at Dragon Master Games Friday and Saturday night, respectively. And again, shout again to shout out the robots that are doing double duty for us as well. That's all I got for this week. So for Padawan J, thank you, thank you for Just Incredible. Thank you. I am your host Ken. M. Thank you as always for listening to the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, better known as the ODPH Podcast. We'll see you next time. Um,